recorded live. Hi, everybody. It's uh, August 24, 2017, and it's 6.01 p.m., and it's time for my private audio call. Tonight, our special guest speaker is a woman by the name of Al Whitney. I don't know if you're familiar with her. I guess uh, she's been doing a call on RBN Radio. Is that right? Yeah. Al. It is. <laughs> Hi. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, so everybody becomes familiar with what you're going to talk about? Well, for several years now, I've had a program on RBN on Saturday nights called In Defense of Humanity. And um, <clears throat> I, I have three websites. One is anticorruptionsociety.com. One is parentsagainstmandatoryvaccines.net. And the other is peopleforsafetechnologies.com. Um, I kind of got involved in this legal thing, and it, it happened at the time when I got concerned about the H1N1 pandemic in year 2009. Uh, I heard Sherry oh. Penpenny on Alex Jones talking about some legislation that had passed, and she was concerned that that during this pandemic that they might make the H1N1 flu shot uh, mandatory for everybody. And so they said they were running around passing state, state laws, and I decided to look up what had happened in Ohio uh, in the years prior to the pandemic to see if they had ever passed any legislation that would give them the authority or the presumed authority to to make a vaccine during a pandemic mandatory. Uh, and I was able to locate legislation that they passed in 2003 where they did ab- absolutely change the statutes for public health to, for the very first time, include the word pandemic. So when I did my research, um, I started my first website called For Ohioans because I was tracking what was going on in Ohio and I was calling people and telling them what I'd learned and what I what I was doing and how that could affect us all and I got that just became real tedious. So I said, "Okay, I'm going to put it all on a website. You guys can sign up and anytime you want to see what I've discovered about the statutes in Ohio, you can go to that website." Well, the more I looked at these statutes and the verbiage in these statutes, I became really concerned because they were saying things like uh, the director of public health for the state of Ohio is responsible for the safety for all of the people. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. So then I went and looked up the Constitution for the state of Ohio, and I found the two were in conflict. Angela, imagine that. And I kept asking people, how can it be that they're passing statutes that are in conflict with the Constitution for the state of Ohio, which has a Bill of Rights? And no one could answer that question. So that sort of started me on the road to figure out how it is that we have state statutes passed by our legislators that are in direct violation absolutely direct violation with the Constitution for the United States and the Constitution for the state of Ohio. And that's when I discovered that the Uniform Commercial Code was installed in Ohio, because I also ran into this date 
October 1953, and I kept thinking and asking everybody, what the bleep happened in October 1953, and nobody knew. And I said, well, I keep seeing the effective date of the statute is October 1953, and nothing is older than that. So something must have happened, and uh, finally I met a woman who said, well, they passed 18,000 statutes in 1953. And I said, are you wow. me? 18,000. She said, yep. Wow. And that's when I finally, I kept searching, and I finally realized that that's the year that the Uniform Commercial Code was implemented in the state of Ohio, 1953. Oh, how yes. interesting. Yeah, so now I knew I knew that their statutory code, that all of these things were being done through this Uniform Commercial Code and uh, not through the Constitution. So the more I looked and the more I looked and the more I looked and I listened to your show and I listened to Rod Class and... I spent years listening, trying to figure out what exactly is going on. And uh, when I read the Judge Dale Great American Adventure, things were the the you know fog started to lift. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> I went, oh my God! It's a corporation, and they're all in commerce. <laughs> and then when I read, moment. yeah, then I read Melvin Stamper's book. And it was like, oh my gosh, this Melvin is... Stamper's book. What what book is that? Fruit from a poisonous tree. Oh, and okay. I Let me strongly recommend it because, as my husband said, Judge Dale's The Great American Adventure. He said he doesn't have much references. He said, I, and I made him read it, and he said, you know, it's interesting, but he doesn't have any references. Then I made him read Melvin Stamper's book, and he says, you know. Melvin Stamper's saying the same thing as Judge Dale, except he's putting in his references. <laughs> so um, that's when I said, okay, I think I know what's going on. You know, it's all commerce. And they are using us. They are using us and have been since the bankruptcy of 1933 when they brought in the Social Security Act. They're using us as as the the backing behind their fiat currency called the U.S. dollar, the Federal Reserve note, it's us. Mm-hmm. And we are volunteering, Angela, that's what people don't get. We are volunteering. Um, we sign our children up when we sign the certificate of live birth. I'm sure a lot of your listeners already know this. And from that certificate of live birth is a birth certificate and a Social Security all rolled into one. It's created by that document. So now all of a sudden they've got a Social Security and they've got the account and they're using the all, and then they change the name to the all caps name, right? Mm -hmm. And from that point forward, every time we sign, we are signing as a security for the Federal Reserve note and we are signing as the legal fiction person. Um, I'd like to read, before I go into what, we, what we're up to, what we put together with the inspiration of another guest that you had years ago, Joyce Rosenwald. Oh, yeah. She was one of my favorites. Oh, gosh. I listened to the interview that you did, and then I, I was so impressed. And she was on RBN for a while, and I tried to get yeah. all the archives of those shows. and. 
I have all of her paperwork. Well, I don't know about all, but I have a ton of her paperwork. Well, then if you do, you probably ran into what we're going to talk about tonight because it was she and Peter Neese who created the Notice of Condition Precedent. Oh, okay. Okay, but I want to read this one little paragraph from Melvin Stamper's book. I have to recommend it to everyone. It sure helps get you out of the fog. He was an attorney. He worked for the government. He he investigated the uh, Federal Reserve, the Treasury, the Congress. He figured out, very smart man, that something was terribly wrong, <laughs> that they were not. They were not recognizing the Bill of Rights, and they were n- what was going on in our government had nothing to do with the Constitution. So he went down the rabbit hole, did an awful lot of discovery in history and in finance, and he put his work in fruit from a poisonous tree. Um, the second chapter, which is the really, to me, it's the meat of the book, is called The Magicians. And I'm going to read to you what he had to say that is pertinent to what we're talking about tonight. In this chapter, uh, on page 62, he said, In the 1950s, the Uniform Commercial Code was adopted in most of the states as a means of unifying the generally accepted procedures for handling the new legal system of dealing with commercial fictions as though they were real. Security instruments replace substance as collateral for debts. Security instruments could be supported by presumptive adhesion contracts. Debt instruments with collateral and accommodating parties could be used instead of money. Money and the need for money was disappearing. And a uniform system of law had to be put in place to allow the courts to uphold the security instruments that depended on commercial fictions. And when I say commercial fictions, we're talking about the legal fiction person. As a basis for compelling payment or performance, all of this was accomplished across the country by the mid-1960s. The commercial code is merely a codification of accepted and required basic principles of commerce. Um, In the 1960s, the age-old principles of commerce shifted from substance to form. Presumption became a major element of the law. Without giving a degree of force to legal presumption, the new direction in enforcing commercial claims could not be supported in equity equity admiralty courts and had no chance in common law. If the claimants were required to produce their claims every time they tried to collect from the people, they would seldom be successful. The principles articulated in the commercial code combine the methods of dealing with substantive commercial activity with presumptive commercial activity These principles work well for us as they do for them. The rules are neutral and respect neither side of a dispute as they are ancient in origin. The entrenched powers that engineered the scheme for the people to register their property and person, and that is the certificate of live birth, 
with the United States and its instrumentalities gained control of the people's property and right to property through registration and licensing. The United There you go. There you go. The That's United right States there. became the trustee of the titles to everything. The definition of property is the interest one has in a thing. The thing is the principle. The property is the interest in the thing. Profits made from property of another belong to the owner of a thing. The international bankers made profits by pledging as surety the registered property of the people in commercial markets, but the profits do not belong to the bankers. Well, I think you're familiar with the fact that many people have tried to reclaim their trusts and their profits and they're having a hard time doing it, right? Right. So it's all commerce. And uh, I listen to all these people talk about ways to deal with the court, but uh, Angela, I, I kept going back to the fact I'm looking at those statutes and listening to Joyce Rosenwald and talking to Peter Neese. Incidentally, Peter worked with Joyce for quite a few years, and mm. Peter is very much alive. So I was able to oh. contact Peter, and he and I have been, uh, she's our relationship more than a year, probably two years now. We talk all the time. And I talked to him about choice, and I talked to him about this notice that, that I'm going to introduce tonight. And uh, he said it was just kind of getting off the ground with, with himself and Joyce and that was back, I think, in 2011, and then she died. And Peter was just kind of getting worn out at the time, and he just decided to back off and did very little after that until I called him. And he's he's willing to to help me and a few people who are willing to do some work, but he's not going to go back to helping people who don't know anything and want him to do the work for them. I don't know if you're familiar with that kind of individuals. There's a lot of them out there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they wear. Well, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't educated to do it, and they they are at a dire position in their life, especially if they're in foreclosure. Right. And they, you know, they don't know. It takes you know a long time to study and get proficient in this stuff. And not that I I never will be proficient probably. Right. But, um. Well, so. I agree. It it is. It takes years, and and if you're going to go into court and battle in court, um, gosh, how many people do we know who've gone to jail? I made a list, Angela. Oh yeah, I've got a web page full. Yeah, thinking that they could <laughs> go into these courts and they could win. Wonderful people, brilliant people, mm. and um, I decided that I I can't afford to to go to jail. <laughs> and a lot of people nobody wants to go to jail nobody wants to go to jail but some people have children that they're trying to take care of and parents they're trying to take care of and they're just they can't risk it right um and i i myself my husband was uh got ill recently i can't risk it so i kept trying to look for what can we do without going into their courtroom unprepared only to be tricked into consenting to be a surety for the all caps name and winding up in jail for whatever period of time they want to put us there 
And um, I'm going to start now and explain why I think there's a good chance that the notice of condition precedent might be a wonderful tool with very little risk, if any. Oh, okay. And that was our my goal. Again, um, it's good to stand up for yourself, but there's so many people going to jail. If we can find a path that would give us some relief in this nightmare with very little risk of going to jail, I, I was all for it, and I jumped on and did my notice right away because I could see that this is a pretty safe, safe way to go. So let me explain to the listeners how I, with the help of Joyce and all her knowledge and knowledge from Peter and knowledge from other people, wasn't just me, I was more or less the organizer and the typist, okay, putting the picture together. Lots of people looked over this and lots of people gave me input and we've changed it. We worked on it for a year before it was final. But um, basically it starts out, the whole concept starts out with the premise and this reminds me of um, a Christmas carol. Christmas carol starts out and he says, before I can tell you the story, uh, Marley's dead. You got to understand Marley's dead. (laughs) And everybody has to understand Marley's dead. Well, Marley. Yeah. Remember the Christmas Carol? Marley the ghost. Marley's partner was dead. Yeah. (laughs) Marley's dead. If you ever read it, that's like the very first couple lines. Marley's dead. Um, Of course, then he comes back as a ghost. All right. What do we have to understand? We have to understand the United States is a federal corporation. Everybody has to get that. There's no, it's not my opinion. It's not debatable. It's not disputable. It's in uh, Title 20, Section 28 U.S. Code, I'm, I'm sorry, 28 U.S. Code, Section 3002. The United States is a federal corporation. The agencies are a part of this federal corporation, and the states are instrumentalities. This is a corporate structure. This is not a sovereign government. It is a corporate structure. And that's where I think people, if you can't accept that reality, then you go down the wrong path all the time, thinking that you're going to resurrect a sovereign government with the Bill of Rights when what we've got now is a corporation in commerce. So a lot of people are unaware that in 1999, the CEO of the United States Corporation, by the name of Bill Clinton, okay, signed into law, quote, unquote, Executive Order 13132, called federalism. Now, I started looking for that after I read Judge Dale's book, and he made reference to the fact that the Constitution was altered by Bill Clinton, and... So when I started to figure out where that came from, I absolutely was able to find it. In that executive order, he is restructuring the relationship between the municipal corporations, the state corporations, the legislature, the people, and the federal corporation. Anybody can read it. It's online. But one section really caught my attention uh, in federalism, section 2, item D. This is what he said or his rulers told him to say. (laughs) The people of the states are free, subject only to restrictions in the Constitution itself, 
or in constitutionally authorized acts of Congress to define the moral, political, and legal character of their lives. Now, unquote. Now, you, your listeners and myself would say, well, that doesn't apply to me. And that's true, except that it applies to all of his employees. He is telling all of his employees, which pretty much cover anybody who's working for a government or a governmental agency, he is telling them that the people are free to define their political and legal characters. They are the ones who have to recognize that their CEO has told them that the people are free to define their political and legal characters. So taking that premise, we promptly said, okay, let's quote that because they will listen to their own CEO and our job then is to proceed to find a way to define for the record our legal and political characters. According to the legal dictionary of the freedictionary.com, the word character means <clears throat> character, an individual, a noun being, a body, a figure, a human, a human being, a man, a mortal, a party, a person, personage, personality, self-determined being, somebody, and someone, unquote. So there's a lot of leeway in how you can define what a character is. But if you look at the political character in the United States, what is the political character that their government, that their corporation actually recognizes? And we found that, and Peter brought that to my attention, and he was absolutely right, According to the 28 U.S. Code number, section 1746, essentially, in their world, we've got two choices that they would recognize. A lot of people believe they can be a state national, they can be a this, they can be a that. Those, those titles are not necessarily recognized in their system, but they do recognize that you can be A, without the United States Corporation, or B, within the United States Corporation. So they recognize that there's two political characters that the people are free to decide and define. Okay, but can't you be both? No. I mean, at different times, you can act as one or the other. I mean, if you're in commerce, you're acting in commerce. And okay. if you're just... I mean, yes, yes. And that's what we're getting to. I have to say we're getting to a way that we can make this thing work for us. Okay? okay. You're right. But you cannot be a self-proclaimed United States citizen registered voter hmm. and proceed right. to... Um, claim your your right your right to challenge these statutes because if you are a registered voter you are within the United States period okay there's no okay. leeway because you've already volunteered as peter uh -huh. says to me many times if we volunteer into their system they will they will 
put all their statutes and laws and rules right on us as an obligation because we are a citizen. And I think people recognize, I hope your listeners are familiar with the fact that if you are a U.S. citizen, you have been categorized as an enemy of the state since 1933. And as long as there's a state of national emergency, which has been in place since 1933, you will be considered an enemy of the state. And Judge Dale brought out, and I think so did Melvin Stamper, that's why to do anything they want us to be registered or licensed because we're that's what the Trading with the Enemy Act did in 1917. In 1933, they just flipped over and threw us in the heap with, with the, uh, the others. As of 1933, all Amer- United States citizens are considered enemies of the state as long as there's a state of national emergency, which uh, the one that's ongoing now is the war on terror, right? Yeah, it's always yeah. something. And they continue And they renew it every year. So they, these guys, no president has let that authority of the state of national emergency go since 1933. They have made sure that there was a war in poverty, that we a war in Vietnam, a war in North Korea, war on drugs, war on terror. <clears throat> these have been ongoing since 1933 so that they keep their power. Okay, so... That's your political. You get to decide whether you want to be a United States citizen or not. And that is indeed a citizen of the United States Corporation. And hopefully people will realize that once we vote for these guys, they don't work for us anyway. They do whatever they want. I mean, I haven't seen any sign that they're doing anything for the people for decades. No, they're doing for themselves. That's right. That's right. Okay, so that that's kind of what we we decided was the status of what are our choices for our political character. Now we get down to our legal character, and this is where it just came across that the system is really quite unified across the board. Okay, the key to defining your legal character is the word person. Regulations created by government agencies and statutes or ordinances passed by elected legislatures are all written for legal persons. Therefore, it's critical that we understand what a person is and what it is not. Here are examples of these definitions. The Federal Register Act, I'm going to cite that one first, that was passed in 1935 during the national emergency when FDR was bringing in the New Deal and he was setting up all these agencies to deal with the state of emergency, which at the time was like the Great Depression and the Emergency Banking Act and all of the junk that went on back then. So along came the Federal Register so they could put all these agencies, set up all these agencies to administer the emergency. But when I looked in the archives for the Federal Register Act, believe it or not, there's a definition of the word person. Quote, person, unquote, means an individual, partnership, association, or corporation. Essentially, that means that there are three artificially created legal entities cited, but not one was a living being. So then I looked at the statutes of California and looked up the word person, and lo and behold, 
In California, and we have a link to that, Section 1-26, Number 17, according to the California statute, the codes, the word, quote, person, unquote, includes any person, firm, association, organization, partnership, limited liability company, business trust, corporation, or company. That's eight artificially created legal entities, and not one of them are a living being. Then I went to Ohio and said, what does Ohio call a person? So in Ohio, the statutory definition 1.59, item C, quote, person, unquote, includes an individual corporation, a business trust, an estate, a trust, a partnership, and an association. That is six artificially created legal entities, and not one are a living being. So I decided to check out the UCC general provisions because, again, as we noted, the UCC was installed across the country in the 50s and 60s. So UCC Article 1 general provisions, Section 1-201 general definitions, Number 27, quote, person, unquote, means an individual, a corporation, a business trust, a state trust, partnership, limited liability company, association, joint venture, government, governmental subdivision, agency, or instrumentality, public corporation, or any other legal or commercial entity. They cited 14 artificially created legal entities not one of them were alive. Not one of them were living beings. Legal persons in their system are not flesh and blood living men and women. We have more proof that our laws and statutes are written for legal fiction persons and corporations, not for flesh and blood living men and women. And this can be found in the legal process by which courts interpret and apply statutory legislation. Sometimes statutes have straightforward meaning, but in many cases there is some ambiguity or vagueness in the verbiage that must be resolved by a judge. To interpret applicability, judges use various tools and methods, including traditional canons. The judiciary may apply rules of interpretation both to legislation enacted by the legislature and to delegated legislation such as administration, administrative agency regulations. Here are three prominent rules considered by judges when they interpret the applicability of statutes or rules. And this really put it together, Angela. Um, And people can look this up. Incidentally, all this information is available on my website. And uh, I think you you said you put a link up. Well, I put a link up to the no corruption one. Um, Actually, it's on my website. And it will be attached to your name once the call is over and I update the website under guest speakers. But you said you had several others. Yeah, I can send them Um, to you. I will. Oh, yeah, send them to me in an email, and I'll go ahead and put them on the website. Okay, what I'm referring to and that I've been talking from is this booklet that's free on my website, 
anybody can have it. It's free and it's available, and you can get to it right now. Um, you just go to anticorruptionsociety.com and link okay. up on the tab that says Notice of Condition Precedent. And okay. there's a little picture at the top, and there's a link right there so people can link on this this booklet that I'm referring to. All of this is written in that, so people don't have to... Oh, I see it. It's in the middle on the bottom line. Notice of Condition Precedent. Yes, Precedent. but if you go at the top, right above the picture, at the top there's a picture of a man... Yeah. Okay, there's a link right yeah. there. That link will open up this booklet that I'm reading from. Oh, the Anti-Corruption Society? Well, are you on the... Yes. Uh, are you on the page? I mean, that's what it says. There's a, a man handing a judge money. No, Okay, you're on that site. Now look at the tabs at the top. One of the choices that the tabs at the top is notice of condition. Right, it's the last line. Okay. I, well, no, second is the last line. Okay. Click on that. Of all the other links you have here, you have a lot of bull efforts, anatomy of a con job, yes, source documents, lawfully yours, and then notice of condition precedent. Precedent. Right. Now, when you click on that, you'll see the picture of the man and the woman and the person. Uh-huh, yeah. Right above is a link that gets you to this a PDF of this thing that I'm reading from. I see. Booklet. Are you legally alive or dead? There it okay, is. Let me just... And people Good. can okay. download that. They can circle it. They can take notes. They can disagree. It's, I mean, 20 page, it's only a 20-page deal. So. It's only 20 half pages, even. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's not a big deal, I hope. I try, we try to make it simple so that if it gets too complex, people just listen and then they just shake their heads and they, they're they stuck. They don't know what to do. At least that's been my experience. Uh, okay, so what are these rules that the judges use when they're trying to determine the applicability? And you can look this up. We researched this and we found these three rules. The first one is adjutum generis which says rules only apply to persons or things of the same kind or class. Okay, and I'm going to read what it said on the lawdictionary.org. Yeah, you've got links to everything here. That's great. Yeah, I do. Uh, Of the same kind, (laughs) class, or nature, in statutory construction, the adjutum generis rule is that where general words follow an enumeration of persons or things by words of a particular and specific meaning. Such general words are not to be construed in their widest extent, but are to be held as applying only to persons or things of the same general kind or class as those specifically mentioned. Mm -hmm. Okay? So hopefully people see when I read you those statutes and the definition of persons, it couldn't possibly be a living man or woman. That's one rule they use. Another one supports the same conclusion, and that's number two, expressio unis est exclusio altieris. One thing haven't been mentioned, the other is excluded. Okay, this is the rule of construction applying both to statute and legal writings that state that when one thing having been mentioned, the other is excluded. Thus, following this rule, no dogs allowed, means that lions are allowed, but guide dogs are not. So, if you've got 14 legal fiction entities, constructs, there's no way 
that their rules would include something completely different, which would be a living man or woman. Um, and at number three, they have even one more that helps make this distinction. Number three is nosotar isosai. It means that the meaning understood comes from accompanying words. Means comprehended from accompanying words, perceived from accompanying words, realized from accompanying words, recognized from accompanying words, understood from accompanying words. And again, when they use the word persons, all the words that are accompanying them are legal construct, legal entities created by lawyers. <laughs> lawyers don't create real men and women. They create legal entities, fictions, most people will call them. So if any of all these rules are applied to federal regulations, state statutes, and the Uniform Commercial Code, it becomes even more apparent they are not written for living men and women. In America, the states have authority over relevant matters in their representative jurisdiction, unless the state's definitions of their statutes conflicts with those recognized federally. This explains why both California and Ohio define persons almost identically with the Federal Register and the Uniform Commercial Code. They have to have the same definitions because the federal government is giving the state and local governments grant contracts. They are in contracts together. These contracts, they hold them to. So if you're going to write a contract and you're going to take money from someone to do something, you have to have the same definition of the parties involved or everything would go fluey. Mm-hmm. So the states have to adopt these these person definitions as long as they're doing business with the federal government, which they do all the time, every day of the week. Okay, while the term character includes both men and persons, the way the term person is used in statutes preceding a list of non-living legal entities precludes us from referring to living men and women unless the Uniform Commercial Code regarding presumption is applied. And and we go on to say the difference between a real man and a legal man is a, a legal person can't walk, a legal person can't talk, a legal person can't sign their name, a legal person has no gender. People know, if you read any of these statutes, they are always without gender. They have no gender. In fact, uh, Angela, when I was looking, kind of investigating what the California statutes were, as part of my investigation after SB 277 got passed, you know what I found? I found in California statutory code that at one time the word man was used. They they passed a statute saying from now on the word man is to be replaced by the word person from henceforward and that this is an a declaratory change not in a mandatory change. That means... What, is, yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> somebody declared... Declared it. change, but... It uh. was declared. It wasn't voted on. It wasn't amended. Uh. It was a declaration that you, from now on, you guys, you're going to do this. So this... You know what? They don't want people to say, 
mother or father Correct. in California anymore. They don't they don't want they, they don't want you to say parents they or want parent or guardian because those are yeah. legal terms. They are not mother and father has gender and it's not a legal term. Okay? And that's what you're gonna hear. When when I get done with this, I'm gonna let you play that that audio clip that I sent you, if you don't mind, because in yeah, that I, I have Okay, in that, the listeners will hear the debate over what the defendant actually is. The judge has got to create an identity that will fit into the statutes. And you can hear this discussion. It's only 12 minutes. Maybe should we play it now? Yeah, let me go back and get it here. Okay. Hold on one second. Okay. I don't know what happened. I had it up in here, and now it's gone. So hold on one second. Let me just find it. Hold on here. That's right. You're no corruption. Was oh, <laughs> it no more corruption? Yes. No more corruption. All right, let me just go to that one. I think I laid the foundation so when people hear this, they're going to hear it a little bit differently than they might have. Wait a minute. I'm trying to look into the emails again. Uh, I can't find a link. It's second to the last one that I sent you. Second to the last one. Yeah, I sent you one that says, can we talk? And it was the one right before that. Uh, Can I call you? It's the one right before that? Yes. Yeah, there it is. Oh, my God. You know, I have... Mr. Hall has... Hold on a second. I'm going to start it from the beginning. I have a, like a million emails, so going through and looking for emails like trying to find a needle in a haystack, especially when I'm looking for the name Al and <laughs> not okay. no more corruption. All right, so we're going to start this audio. This audio is uh, 12 minutes and yeah. 32 seconds. Right, and it is a and real. It's a real hearing with a real judge and a real defendant in Florida. Okay, hold on. I'm going to start it now. David Hall. Can you hear it okay? Mr. Hall has I can. the services of the public defender, Your Honor. Mr. Hall, DUI, expired driver's license. Good morning. Judge, Judge, I need to say how I'm appearing today, sir. Hey, hold on, wait. Let me finish. Hold on. Hold on, Mr. Hall. Judge has been charged with DUI, expired tag, attaching a plate, not assigned, license suspended. Failed to drive in a single lane. Give me a moment, sir. Let me look at your driver's record. Okay. Sir, I haven't said for the court how I'm appearing today, well, sir. I'm not asking you yet. Just give me a moment, all right? I need to look at your record. Okay, I'm looking here. Shiller to pay traffic tickets back in 2011. Open container. All right, sir. Uh, hold on. This gentleman, Mr. David Hall, does he have any uh, criminal record? Yes, Judge, and he also has um, pending felony DWLSs in front okay, of him. Okay, what's the pending felony DWLS? Youth on, okay, there's a few. 
I'll give you a moment to talk in just a moment, sir. Depending, Hold on, Mr. Hall. The pending felony is 140165825810A. Okay. He also has pending misdemeanor DWLS's. What is that? What are they? Judge Evans. Um, case number 14. Wait, 14 what? 053909CC30A. CC30A, okay. That's it. And a criminal history. Okay. Now, Mr. Hall, uh, so would you like to say something? Um, yes. May I speak, Judge? Well, don't tell me about what happened or did not happen regarding the DUI, but. You want to tell me about something? I'd like to state some things. Go ahead. I'd like to state some things for the record. Thank you, Judge. Uh, Judge John Hurley, I do accept your oath of office here today for the record, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Um, does this court take to, does this court take judicial notice of your oath, sir? With all due respect. I take judicial notice of my own oath. Yes, sir, I do. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. Sir, today I'm appearing as the agent and settler for David Hall. Okay. Okay. Could you get Mr. Hall for me then, sir? Where is he? I go by that name, sir. My name sounds exactly like the defendant's, and I'm here to settle that matter today. So are you and David Hall one and the same person? I'm not a person. I'm an individual. David Hall is a person. Okay. I am are the agent to that David name. Are you and Hall one and the same individual? I go by the name David Hall, sir, and okay. I'm here about that matter today. Okay. So... So you go by the name David Hall. Okay, so this is what we're going to do. Uh, the person who goes by the name of David Hall is standing in front I'm of the you. individual. The I am an individual, not a person. You're not a person. Yes, David Hall is a person. I am a private individual. David Hall is a person under color of law, sir. Okay, where's David Hall then? The person David Hall. Exists on paper, sir. David Hall is a corporation. Okay. This action is under color of law, sir, and I do understand that. I am here in my real capacity as the private individual for that name, okay. and I'm here about that matter. You're the, and private, I'm you're the private individual, David Hall. I'm the settler, sir. You're the settler, I'm the settler. David Hall. I'm the settler to David Hall, sir. Well, are you the private happy individual, to... David Hall? Yes. Good. Okay. We got that straight. We agree on that. Okay. Now... David May Hall, I, sir? David Hall, the private individual. I'm looking at your driving record right now. Okay, hold on one second. Is individual, isn't that also an entity? Yes, I'm afraid it is. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> You're right. So so David Hall screwed up there. Uh, yeah, I'm afraid. Well, and just to be nice to David Hall, and, and I think we should be, my understanding from people who've been in jail, by the time they bring in for a hearing frequently, they've had you up all night, you've been cold, you couldn't sleep. They do everything to make you confused. Uh, and I've heard that from many people who've been through this, and I think that's sure. probably what happened. But, yeah. All right. Well, he should have objected. Yeah. He should have said, I'm the man, David Hall. Never said but... that, but go ahead. <laughs> failures to pay traffic tickets. For the, ind uh, for the individual, David Hall, not the person. But, uh, sir, what I'm going to do... Can you clarify? 
Sir, I'm, I'm not sure I understand that, but I am happy to, I'm happy to settle this matter right now if somebody will make presentments. Nobody has made presentment, and I've asked numerous times, and what, for the record... When you say presentment, what do you mean by presentment? Presentment of the charging instrument for set-off and settlement, sir. I, I am the settler. I just... I just told you what it is. I told you what your chart. What I told you what the the individual presentment. David Hall. Judge. Yes, sir. I will require somebody to make me a presentment of the charging instrument on paper so that I may settle that matter. I'm well, here as settler. Not, and I'm happy to settle this charge. Okay, we're, we're not right now. Settle, we're not settling. Today's not the day to settle matters for these kind of charges. All right. We don't settle them today. All right. May I, may I say something else for the record, sir? Go ahead, sir. Thank you. I am secured party under a UCC filing at the Secretary of State, 201-308-717-006. Okay. I am secured party to David Hall on the record and, and uh, through a filing at the Secretary of State, sir. I appear here today as the settler, agent, not the person, but the individual. And I, I, I don't think I should have, you understand the so difference the between a person and an individual. Agent, and you're the individual, but you're not the person. Is that correct? Correct. Got correct. It. Let me, I'm going to write that down. Settler. <laughs> agent. An individual. But you're not the person. You got it. I think, uh, you know, I remember, I think it was last week you told me this, too. And, and I was a little uncertain, but I, I, it's all become very clear now. Now, okay, the settler, the agent, the individual, but he's not the person. Okay, so does the settler, the agent, the individual have any money in the bank? Yes. Okay, how much money does the settler, the agent, the individual have in the bank? I, I, I'm not certain at this time, sir. Okay. Only that the, I will give it an affirmative that there is money in a bank account. Okay. And uh, how long has the settler, the agent, and the individual lived in Broward County? 25 years, sir. Okay, does the settler, agent, individual own any property in Broward County other than personal effects? Uh, no, sir. Okay. Now... Does the person own any uh, property or have any money in the bank? Yeah. Um, in conjunction with myself, sir, in conjunction with myself, we both have. Yes, I'm the agent for that account also. Okay, got it. Okay, so now. <laughs> it's like now, that show, uh, you know, I've got a secret. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, the settler, the agent, the individual, and maybe even the person, David Hall, uh, has been charged with DUI. A DUI, while the settler, the agent, and even the person, David Hall, was on. He's including person. On bond on two cases, one felony and one misdemeanor. For How come he didn't stop him when he kept saying person? Again, he's relentless. That judge is relentless. Yeah, okay. License suspended. So the court believes that. The settler, the agent, the individual, and even the person, David Hall, represents, are you, are you? A, represents a danger to the community because the settler, the agent, the individual, and even the person continues to drive without a valid driver's license, a, in fact, a suspended driver's license in the state of Florida. And uh, so that being said, the court is going may, to... May I make a correction, sir? Go ahead, sir. Yes, I'm traveling. <laughs> you, you said that you said that uh, 
you used the term driving, and I was traveling, sir. Traveling. Okay. All right. So the settler, the agent, the individual, or the person, David Hall, for traveling on a public highway or public road in the state of Florida, was allegedly doing so without a valid driver's license and has done it several times in the past. So today... This is alleged, sir? Yes, sir, it is alleged. Allegedly? Yes, sir. Thank you. So today, the court's going to say your, uh, the settler, the agent, the individual's bond, and even the person's bond today, on count four, $10,000, because the settler, the agent, the individual, and the person has not stopped driving, even though the settler, the agent, the individual, and the person continues to drive without a driver's license. So, that being said, count one is $500, count four is $10,000, and uh, the court will revoke the bond for the settler, the agent, the individual, and even the person of David Hall on 14-016-582-CF10 and 14-05-3909-TC30A. Both cases will cause the settler, the agent, the individual, and even the person, David Hall, not to be able to be released from the Broward County Jail until further notice of the court. So, if may I post bond, sir? Well, is there are any you, other? Are you may, asking me as the settler, the agent, the individual, or are you asking me as the person? Sir, I'm asking as the individual appearing before you today about no. this matter. Well, the do I have the, the settler, the agent, the individual, or the person who posed the bond? However, the settler, the agent, or the individual, David Hall, will not be released in any event because this court is revoking the bond on two fel on a felony case and a misdemeanor case on the settler, the agent, the individual, and the person, David Hall. Well, where's my remedy, sir? Well, whose remedy are you asking for? The settler, the agent, I, I, the individual, or the person? I'm asking for the Wait, opportunity. Who are you on behalf of right now? Sir, I don't understand that question. I well, believe that you're trying to confuse well, me now. No, I'm not. I'm no. simply separating myself from the person. They are two different entities, right. and I know the that. The court is not viewing one you is not as an entity. people. The court is viewing you as well, one why not, entity sir? for the purpose of these cases. There you go. Then what entity are you referring to me as? I'm because referring, I referring to, to, referring to me as the David Hall, who's the settler, the agent, the individual, and the person. I'm not the person, sir. He's not the agent. Okay. Well, I am not the person. person, David Hall. Tell him he's not leaving jail either, all right? <laughs> oh, God. Sir, then may I ask what my remedy is? Can you provide me a remedy so that the I remedy may... remedy is, you, you don't really have I a will... remedy where you can appeal it to the Fourth District Court of Appeal. How long am I going to be held, sir? I would like to settle this matter. So you can be released. I would like to settle this matter, sir. We're not going to settle it today. Then I'm being denied my, for the record, I'm being denied my remedy. What's your, what do for you the think record, your remedy my is? My remedy is being denied. For the record, I am the real individual, and this action is under color of law, and I don't understand this color of law action. Okay. Well, have a nice day. Well, thank oh, you. my God. Thank you, sir. Down the middle. Let's roll. It's over. All right. Sorry about that, Mr. Miller. Your Honor, I was expecting it, so. That's really sad. I was well prepared. Yes, sir. Arturo Pinto? I just wanted to make a clear record. That's all I was trying to do is make a clear record. What an asshole. Someday, Your Honor, I'm going to do a study and figure out exactly what's going on with all that stuff. 
Right now, it's just all a bunch of mumbo jumbo. Whether you know it or not, I have been, uh, I have a judgment for, I think, a hundred million by uh, the uh, sovereign citizen organization um, for, I don't know, something. But that was posted on my door a couple of years ago. So, Arturo Have you started making payments there, Your Honor, sir? Arturo Pinto, Jay Court. This is all a joke to these people, you know? Yeah, it is a joke. But I'm hoping that the listeners make the connection when we talked about these three terms, these Latin terms, the Judum Generis. He got a group together. He kept putting together the settler, the agent, the uh, individual, and the person. So when he gets a group together, okay, now he's got his his statutory meaning. And, and it also applies one thing having been mentioned, the other is excluded. So he's got these four legal entities. He keeps putting them together, the settler, the agent, the individual, and the person. Well, that excludes the living man. And the third yeah, he, one is meaning is understood that. from accompanying words. All of those entities were what's. They were what's. They were not who's. They were they were what's. I am an agent. I am an individual. I am a settler. That's not a who. That's a legal term for a legal fiction role people play in this commercial enterprise, right? And the judge, yeah. I thought, made a perfect example of how they make these decisions. And how they can confuse us if we don't understand the game. Yeah, I feel sorry for the guy Hall. Did, did he go to jail then? I don't know because I found the YouTube and I would have to spend a lot of time figuring out what happened to gentleman. I call him Gentleman David Hall. Oh, you don't know him personally? No, it was a YouTube. Oh, okay. But I did check I... out that judge and that judge is <clears throat> real horses patoot. I mean... There are a lot. Of, <laughs> there are a lot of YouTubes. That man is a real work of art. Oh my god! Um, well, he considers everybody a sovereign citizen. Obviously, yes. Did Mr. Hall claim to be a sovereign citizen? Never. So what was that then? That was uh, he's calling it a name calling. Is what he did. Yeah. <laughs> he called him a sovereign citizen, and right. Well, that's assuming. A part of it is because of the training that, that the judges are get. They get training, yeah. and they're instructed when when they have these cases. And he let the Did cat you? out of the bag. He said, a week ago, I didn't know what you were talking about, but since then, I've learned what this is. So he was probably confused by his first encounter with David Hall. Then when he brought him back a week later, he had looked into this and was told the best way to defeat David Hall for the record. And absolutely. He defeated him. David Hall did not understand what was going on, um, sadly. And it didn't do him any good that he filed UCC papers. Because when Obviously you're in that courtroom, not. if you admit to being something, anything that has happened prior to that, they don't care. Well, and then filing UCC papers, doesn't that isn't that like claiming you're an entity? Well, yeah, I mean, I've never, I, yeah, I mean, again, people think you can file these papers and somehow get yourself, out, extricate yourself, and um, I've not seen much evidence of that, Angela. I I really haven't. I wouldn't, I don't do it. I don't recommend it. 
Me um, neither. I don't sign any forms. I don't use any other forms. Uh, it, nope. <laughs> well, then we go on in this booklet to describe a little bit. Well, of- I, wait a minute. I did use a UCC 11 to run, uh, to, uh, you know, to check if there were any liens against me in the state. Yeah. But that's not Well, as long as we're using the Federal Reserve notes, uh, and most of us have to have a bank account, and very, very few people, you know, a lot of checks are direct deposits, and very few people are able to function without a bank account today. And this digital money makes it even more difficult. So we have to navigate between the two worlds. I think you mentioned that earlier because of the yeah. fact they own and control the money. Right. I mean, you have no choice in the matter. You, have you no want choice. to be able to live. Your only other choice is to go be a hermit out in the wilderness somewhere, which, you know, if I was younger, I might consider it. But since I have a disabled son and i got to take care of him, no, That's right. I'm here. <laughs> we have children. We have spouses. We have parents. Um it just we have obligations which we should and do wish to meet. So we have to find a way to navigate this system, um, and that's exactly. what we're hoping. This is a helpful tool. I wanted if you still have listeners who think that the Constitution is the law of the land. Do you think after all these years you still have listeners who believe that? Yeah, I do. Okay, well we then do. let's talk. Let's 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 get <laughs> and, you rid know, of that. And you know, I still believe it's the law of the land too. Okay, it's just well, let's that rid we're of that. not. You know. Let's get rid of that fantasy. Men and women. We're going to get rid okay. of that fantasy right now. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. The Uniform Commercial Code, it's important to understand that it applies to all commercial transactions in America. In the 50s and 60s, it was installed by all of the states to make all statutes and commercial contracts more uniform. In fact, in the general provision of the UCC, Item 1-103 states, the Uniform Commercial Code must be liberally construed and applied to make uniform the law among the various jurisdictions. Okay, so how can they do this? Essentially, some people would say, well, they can't do this because this isn't constitutional. Well, what they've done, and even Judge Napolitano has admitted this in public, What they've done is they've used the Commerce Clause of the Constitution to implement the Uniform Commercial Code. Now, this the following information I got from Wikipedia, and normally I'm not a Wikipedia fan because I think there's a lot of garbage there. But it's also a good place to go if you want to know what they want, the the mainstream version, because they pretty much follow the mainstream version accepted version of whatever topic they're reporting on. And anybody could go in there and change those pages and add to it. Yes. I've seen it done because Erwin Schiff had a page there, which was all, you know, nicely done and truthful. And then all of a sudden after he went to jail, it was all, some IRS agent went in there and changed the whole damn thing. So right. I can't trust anything on Wikipedia. Okay, so if but anything was survives on Wikipedia, then you agree with me. It's because they want it to survive. Right. Right. It's not a threat to them. And that's why it's a good source if you want to know what they want us to think. And this is what it says about the... And I've see, I've heard this from others as well, including Judge Napolitano. The Commerce Clause described an enumerated power listed in the United States Constitution, Article 1, 
Section 8, Clause 3. The clause states that the United States Congress shall have power to regulate commerce with foreign nations and among the several states and with the Indian tribes. Now, this is how they define commerce. Where's that? Where's that? This is in the Wikipedia. If you if you do, a, no. what is the commerce clause? And you'll get what there. Is and this the is the commerce clause. Okay. Yeah, and this will tell you what the commerce clause. And Napolitano said the same thing. The way they passed the Affordable Care Act, they did it under the commerce clause. Judge Dale says the same thing. They've been fooling us because all of this stuff that they passed, which should not be constitutional, is being passed under the commerce clause. Okay, that's that. In fact, that was the Affordable Care Act. That's been much of what they're doing. They they fool us by saying, "Well, we get to do this because it's interstate commerce, and the Constitution allows us to do this." Now, let me let, wait till you hear the definition that Wikipedia has for commerce. Commerce is a term which means all of the activities which start from production and end at consumption. The system includes legal, economic, political, social, cultural, and technological systems that are in operation in any country. Now, that's everything. They're considering everything commerce. This is why they're now calling us healthcare consumers. We are now consumers because they want the whole thing. They put the whole thing in commerce. It goes on to say... Dispute exists within the courts as to the range and powers granted to Congress by the Commerce Clause. As noted below, the clause is often paired with a necessary and proper clause, the combination used to take a broad, expansive perspective of these powers. Well, the necessary is part of the mechanism they put together under the guise of of a national emergency. It's necessary because of a national emergency. And then they go on to say, during the post-1937 era, the use of the Commerce Clause by Congress to authorize federal control of economic matters became effectively unlimited, unquote. And that's what we're facing today. The fact that the federal government corporation controls commerce was also exposed in 73 in the Senate Report 93549 regarding the national emergency. On page 2, this report states that during a national state of emergency, which is the necessary part, which the report admits has been ongoing since 1933, the following powers are assumed. Um, The vast range of powers taken together confer enough authority to rule the country without reference to normal constitutional process. Under the powers delegated by these statutes, the president and his agencies, and I'm adding the and his agencies, it's not there, may seize property, organize and control the means of production, seize commodities, assign military forces abroad, institute martial law, seize and control all transportation and communication, regulate the operation of private enterprise, restrict travel in a plethora of particular ways, control the lives of all American citizens. So that's where we're at. This was done under the state of emergency. This was done with by the Bar Association. 
This was done when the state legislators passed these UCC statutes. The public was not invited into the discussion. We weren't told that this big thing had changed, that they were implementing commercial law versus constitutional or common law. But that all happened ever since 1933 when the bankruptcy occurred. It's been just moving right along. And there has been no one stopping it. Most people don't even understand it. Our politicians still say, well, the Constitution this and the Constitution that. And, in fact, most lawyers don't understand that that you can't go into court and claim your constitutional rights. They don't recognize them. I know. You know, uh, guest guest 43 here is in the chat would like to add something. Can I unmute him? Sure. Okay. Go ahead, guest 43. Hey, good evening, everybody. How are you? How are you, Angela? Fine, thank you. But you need to speak up a little bit. All right, can y'all hear me? Yeah. How's that? Um, I actually called in when Jane Keaton was on the phone, and I brought up the point of agent-principal relationship. I want to expand on that. Can you hear me? Yeah, are you Doc? Zadok, yes. Yes. Oh, you know what? I got a million emails of people that wanted to get in touch with you, and you never sent me an email. Well, listen, or sent I'm about your, to give your, an email your... out to everyone to hear, because it's okay. time for everyone to wake up and truly comprehend. Uh. Everybody's on the right track, but you're using the wrong words. Your words should not be, as she said earlier, ambiguous. You should not be negating what you're trying to say. So therefore, if your word is not really literal term or denotative, you're not going to produce a cause which makes an effect. So um, hold on, let me catch my breath for a second. I want to ponder on or speak on the things that she was speaking of. That audio that y'all played was crazy because I really (laughs) comprehend no one understands that man is in the image and the likeness of their creator, which is a spirit. And a person is it of your imaginations, which is rights and duties. To give to your human, which is your vessel for which it, the man is in, to give privileges to. So man, person, and human are three different things, for which man is not a thing, for which a thing is an event, act, or deed. So when we come to comprehend who we really are, we go in there or
that are that doesn't have negotiable words. Let me give you an example. Everybody has a mortgage. Everybody gets car notes. But on those bills, which are bills of exchange, consider promissory notes until you know to do a proper endorsement to turn it into a bill of exchange, which is cash. This is why when we get a mortgage, it doesn't have negotiable words on there. They put an allonge on there, which makes it a negotiable instrument now, turn it into a bill of exchange, and then they cash it. But I don't really want to get into that. The bottom line is we all truly can discharge any debt. we got to understand there is no money, only money of exchange, which is obligation of the United States. Let me rephrase that. There is money, but we got to understand there the two forms of money. And since they did exchange true lawful money in 33 for Securities Act, we have a secured interest. We're not secured party creditors. We have a secured interest. And it all comes down to endorsement. Endorsement automatically transfer your interest, which is really intrinsic value, which allows you to get a discount rate, which is called a face value. So Can I jump in to... here, Angela? Excuse me? Can I jump in here, Angela? Absolutely. Sean sure. Morton just tried this, and he is running from the cops. A lot of people have tried to get into that Sescue Trust. Many no, no, of them are in jail. I, want I you to am not, not recommending that. That's very, very risky. Now, this gentleman feels he's got the way, and I know I've heard a lot of people say they've got the way. Lots of people. I also know a lot of people in jail. So, so just to let the listeners know that no one has found an absolute certain foolproof way to do that and not go into jail, and many have tried, including Winston Shrout. <laughs> I agree with you. What you just said was 100% truth. But when I'm saying sesticate truth, trust, let me just use a word that's moderate. It's called beneficiary. It doesn't matter. So you still have to make Hold funny. on. Let me, let, me just, <laughs> let me just say what I was saying because you're absolutely right. And I understand that folks have gone to jail for this, and it's all because they misspoke. They used the wrong terminology of what's really going on. How many, I'm have, how many trust. Have All I'm saying is beneficiary. How many and, have succeeded that you know? Well, you're speaking to someone who understands that if you get a warrant or a bond or a summary to go to court, those are all negotiable instruments. I understand and, that. How many have hold succeeded? Hold on, hold on. I, I, you're speaking to one, ma'am. You're speaking to someone who does this every day. So you're, you're speaking to someone who who can have someone come on this call or be on next week's show and have people who's doing exactly what I'm saying because it's all about understanding that when they present us an offer, it doesn't have negotiable words on it. And if we just know to put the negotiable words on the instrument and transfer your interest to the true eminent domain, which is the United States, everything will be fine. See, I heard you say they're trading with the enemy act, but everybody don't know they're trading with the enemy act. Provide is is really speaking on that every time you do sign something, you give a blank endorsement, and you're literally trading with the enemy because the United States is the eminent domain that does appropriation of everything, and because we don't understand to give a proper endorsement to transfer our interest to get the face value to the United States. 
we give it to an enemy, then the United States has to turn around and borrow money from the feds. If we comprehend to give a proper endorsement and give your intrinsic value or your interest to the United States, who turn around and gives you the face value, now the feds have to buy back, well, not buy back, it has to redeem back the promissory notes, which are Federal Reserve notes that everybody has been creating. Well, wait a minute, Angela, can we get through this? A bill of exchange called a check or payroll check. I mean, I've listened to these people talk about that for years, years. I I don't know about you, years. People here in Columbus, Ohio, Jim McBride. I mean, I, I have heard this conversation for years. Everybody seems to have the magic bullet. All I want to do is help people get out from under these presumptions because it's not about the money. It's about what we are assigning to, what we're volunteering to do. And I'm really concerned that the people who are getting driver's license or the people who are enrolling their children in school who don't understand this are actually volunteering into programs that could end up requiring they get vaccinated as the condition of a driver's license. I mean, this thing is getting nastier and nastier, and putting the SEFTIQ trust and all of that aside, maybe we could all agree that there's one thing that we can all do with no risk and then move on to something more complex. How does that sound? I muted him. Doc, uh, Okay. yeah. Yeah, let's uh, do the simple first. Well, well, see, I, like I let's say... Let's just the simple thing. They don't... Now, like, like I say, this is simple, and the, the problem is, is because... Let me just put it like this. Everyone knows that the Constitution protects your free speech, but the problem is everyone is speaking commercial. No one is actually saying anything. The Constitution the has been suspended since 1933. Say that again? The Constitution has been suspended since 1933. We I, are not under Constitutional Bill of Rights exactly. government. We Everything are is commercial law. That's national emergency. Everything is right. Exactly. Everything is from the Security Exchange Act, which took money of exchange and only allowed us to have money of account. All money of account is truly backed by the United States because of what you just said. That's why we have a secured interest. See, I don't agree. I don't agree, and I don't want to have this call sort of waylaid so that we don't get to the basic, simple strategy of notice the condition preceding it all because we're busy trying to make sense of complicated SESTIQ trust issues and What's real money? What's not real money? Meanwhile, back at the ranch, everybody's volunteering into many different programs that they don't realize that's what they're doing. They don't even have the basics of how to protect themselves. So I'd like to stay down at the basics, if we could, Angela. The bottom step, when I got into this, I kept saying to everybody, people call us after they've already signed document A, B, and C. And then we try to unwrangle the mess that they're in I'd like to keep people at least focused on how it is they're volunteering to enter into this commercial construct, and they don't even know that's what they're doing. That's the step one. If if they continue to volunteer to get in, then it is much more difficult for anybody to help them, and we've all tried. 
I've tried many times when people have already jumped in with both feet, signed a whole bunch of documents, and they ask for help. And the first thing I say is, let me see all the documents you've already signed, because those documents are going to be used against you. So if we could, Angela, I'd like to proceed to explain this this notice and then open yeah. it up for more complex conversations. Is that okay? Okay. Sure. Yeah, there's three people lined up already with their hand up. Doc, if you would be so kind, contact me, please. Send me an email, you, you know, and... Uh, We'll we'll set up. I, I have the next available spot is September the fifth, and I will allow you to you know share your information with the listeners and 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 put it all out on the table so everybody knows what you're talking about. Okay, if you contact me, you can come on September the fifth. Um, but uh, right now we have Al Whitney as our guest speaker, so I'm going to let her have the floor and continue. Thank you, Andrew. For now, go ahead. <laughs> okay. One of the ways this is all going down is this this idea of a presumption. And people don't get that there is a presumption in place. And I read from uh, Melvin Stamper, presumptive, okay? That's such a big part of the Uniform Commercial Code. Uh, So I want to start with the Black Laws Dictionary definition of presumption. A presumption is a rule of law, statutory or judicial, by which finding of a basic fact gives rise to existence of presumed fact until presumption is rebutted. A legal device which operates in the absence of other proof to require that certain inferences be drawn from the available evidence. And that's what you see, you heard with Judge, with Judge um, John Hurley. He was trying to keep that presumption alive that David Hall was there and he was going to represent the settler, the agent, the individual, or the person. He had no documents in front of him. And again, he talked about looking at these documents. He had no documents in front of him that said otherwise. He did not consider David Hall's reference to other documents that he had filed as relevant. Again, he had no documents in front of him that stated otherwise. So what we have to understand that this presumption is alive and well, and the judge is the trier of the facts. That's a UCC um, provision, general provision. And if the judge does not see in front of him in the paperwork anything that rebuts the presumption that the defendant is a settler, agent, individual, or a person, which is a dead legal fiction, then the judge will proceed based on the information he's got, which is all the statutes and codes apply to the the defendant. So how do we kill that presumption? Because it's going to follow us everywhere. Now that we understand presumption is very much a part of UCC. And I will tell you, let me look at this, which UCC it is. If people would read the UCC general provisions, you can find them easily online. UCC Article 1-General Provisions, you will start to see how the three-ring circus works in those courtrooms, okay? And how it recognizes notices 
and it recognizes presumptions. It defines person. It defines the person or acceptance under reservations of rights. Uh, all of that is there. And it's easy once you accept that it's all UCC. It becomes a lot easier to figure out how to extract yourself. So when I looked at what Joyce did and we looked at this notice that she had going, we, we realized that the presumption that you are a U.S. citizen is there at some point in your life, you probably signed something, a bank note, a bank account, a driver's license, you voted to register. It's possible that there's something with your signature on where you actually agreed to be a U.S. corporation citizen. So the first thing you have to do is stop being a U.S. corporation citizen. There are no rights in, as a corporation citizen. It's just a corporation so we have three steps to help you, and they're easy, they're simple, and they're quick. Help you define your political and legal characters. One, stop being a U.S. citizen. Cancel your voter registration if you haven't done it. Two, implement a notice of condition precedent and declare yourself a living flesh and blood man or woman. And number three, from this point on, actually from the point that you're hearing my voice, Restrict your signature every time you sign by writing UCC uh, without prejudice, and you can add UCC 1-308, which gives you the, the right to preserve your rights. The UCC gave you that, but people aren't using it. UCC, all you have to do is write without prejudice. I do it. I put it on my checks, uh, Angela. I run my text through my computer when I pay my bills, and I put right on that line <laughs> without prejudice <laughs> on every. Yeah. <laughs> so, in other words, uh, you have to establish your political and legal characters when you sign applications, registrations, and contracts. If you do that, you can challenge the enforcement of onerous terms or conditions that either were not disclosed, and there are so many that they don't disclose, um, were agreed to under duress, or applied to only legal persons. My bank sent me a letter saying that they were new terms. Okay, here's our new terms. And I'm reading it, and in the first paragraph, in like the first or second paragraph, it says, the rules regard, like, this is a contract. It identifies itself as a contract. In the rules regarding your account, um, this bank uh, goes along with the laws of the state, the laws of this, and the letters of the Federal Reserve, which are too onerous to expose on this piece of paper. However, if you continue to use your account, that means that you accept our new terms and conditions. So it said right there, we're not disclosing. Do you accept the fact that we're not disclosing? Your choice is either accept the fact that there are rules you don't know about or cancel your account. Those are my two choices. And most banks give you the same two choices. Either you accept the fact that we're not exposing the terms or that's called an adhesion contract, right? Right. Take it or leave it. So 
most of us needed bank account. Many, yeah, what are people going to do? I mean, what are you going to do? You know? They've got everybody. My husband, many, many years ago, he was told that if he didn't accept direct deposit, he wasn't going to get paid. So without a bank account, he would Well, you know, that's happening, that's happening right now with my son who's disabled. He gets a, you know, his disability uh-huh. once a month, uh-huh. and it's a check, and they keep sending this thing that you are required by law to, you know, you know get this express card or have automatic, you know, deposit. Right. And we don't do it. We just haven't done it. Right. They well, keep sending the check, and so. <laughs> yeah. Again, if you do, they can't compel you to contract. That's the problem. That's what they're doing. They're trying to compel my disabled son, and trying to make him lead him to believe that he has no other choice in the matter. Right. Well, just to let you know, they've been telling my husband that on his social security check for four years. Every yeah. month he gets a letter saying yeah. you have to do this, and yet the next month the check comes in. Right, exactly. <laughs> okay, so... Because you're not agreeing to do what they, you know, are trying to compel you to do. Well, yeah, so they are trying to the, the, the contract. Okay, but the contract is in existence as is and will continue until one party or the other compels the other to change it. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> That's what we're doing, and we're going to find out when... I'll let you know if those checks stop coming. Okay, so here's a notice <laughs> of condition precedent. We set up a website. That is exactly that. It's for no other purpose than to, for people to post their notices. That they they can contact me. No more corruption at Huawei dot com. Um, Wait, they, what was that? No more corruption at Huawei dot com. Huawei. Uh huh. W o w w a y. Three W's okay. in the word Huawei. Huawei. Okay, and. I can give them the information, but the links are also on that page that we talked about at the beginning of the show, uh, anticorruptionsociety.com, and there's a link to the notice of condition precedent. All the links you need are on that page. But I'm going to read you what the notice of condition precedent says. Um, First, people have to know what a, a condition precedent actually is. Let me see if I can find it in here. Because there is actually a definition. Aha. Black's Law Dictionary, condition precedent. Quote, it is a condition referring to a future event upon the happening of which the obligation becomes no longer binding upon the other party if he chooses to avail himself of the condition. Now, that's what I think people need to recognize. You don't have to apply this unless you want to. But once you process your notice, you'll get a copy, you'll have it in your hot little hand, and then it's up to you to decide if and when you want to use it. Okay? Another presumptive contract that's going on, and you know this as well as I do everywhere, is you go to a website, if you take the time to look at these different websites, I went to Whole Foods site, and I looked at the bottom, and it, it said terms. And I clicked on it, it says, if you're visiting your website, you are agreeing to our terms. <laughs> yeah, that pretty much, that's everybody. That's us, everybody. So if you have nothing in place, and you surf the net, you are hitting 
bucket loads of those terms. You're unaware of them, but they're there. Without the condition precedent, you have absolutely no way of saying that I didn't agree to those terms. They will merely claim the terms were there and you visited the website. That's how nasty this this machine is. So Peter and I talked about that, and I said, I can't think of any other way to save us from whatever obligations visiting a website might have if we don't have a notice of condition preceding. Because there's just no other way unless you quit using the web. So this is what it says. Notice of condition preceding. It's only 264 words. Um, People can either post it on our website or they can take this and type it up and put it in the legal section uh, of, of their newspaper. Either way, it works. I mean, that's what you're doing is you're giving legal notice, which UCC recognizes notice. And we have a link to their definition of what notice is. Here's what it says. In compliance with Executive Order 13132, Federalism, signed by President Bill Clinton on August 10, 1999, Section 2, quote, D, the people of the states are free, subject only to restrictions in the Constitution itself or in constitutionally authorized act of Congress to define the moral, political, and legal characters of their lives, unquote. I hereby define my political and legal characters as follows. Be it known by all that I, Jane Doe, as a living flesh and blood woman, that on this, and we put the posted date, do hereby give notice to all in the world that I am not a citizen of the United States. Any who wish to challenge this admission must do so by responding to this notice within 30 days of the post date. Notice is also given to anyone in the world who may have a contract or unsigned presumed contract under the above name living at the address below that this notice serves as an addendum to all contracts or presumptions ab initio in which the signatory name may or may not appear. Notice that the following be included as part and above the signatory name, quote, without prejudice, unquote. Let it be known to all that this notice also serves to amend my son's certificate of live birth and rebut any presumption that the state has parental authority, and we put in parentheses, parents patriae, unparentheses, which Joyce Rosenwald beautifully covered, over Jimmy John Doe, date of birth 5708. All return addresses or responses to be addressed followed. Follows. All three line addresses will be returned to senders. For an address, we have four lines. John Doe, first line. 307 Johns Road, second line. Akron, Ohio. We have the zip in brackets. One, two, three, four, five. And the bottom line says, United Small U, States of America. And that's it, 264 words. We don't say who we are, we say who we are not. We are living flesh and blood, and we're not a U.S. citizen. So if you get in court and the judge says, are you an American national, are you a state national, 
my answer to everybody who, who ends up in that pickle is don't define your term. Let the judge say, what are your choices? If he says, if you're not a U.S. citizen, what are you? My answer would be, what are my choices? Because you know, Angela, they pay word games. I yeah. may say one thing, and in their definition, it means something else. So I wouldn't admit to being anything other than I'm not a U.S. citizen unless they tell me what my choices are. Because all I've declared is I'm without the United States Corporation. So I love that. Until people choices? wake up to the ongoing word game and rebut the presumption that they are volunteering to be a code and tax slave for the government corporation called the United States, in my opinion, Angela, things will only get worse and worse as more and more rules, restrictions, penalties, fines, and fees are piled onto nearly every activity they are engaged in. What we were taught is constitutional government has become a wildly profitable corporate enterprise running under the law merchant or the uniform commercial code. This was all done by stealth and it was all done at the people's expense by the international central banking cartel and their army of attorneys. There. Thank you. That's what this condition, the notice is. That's That's what Joyce wanted us to do. And I think she was right. I do too. Because now I, I miss her. I wish she was still here. I do too. But now, <laughs> if you do this, and I've got a bunch of people who have done it, now you've got this little document in your in your in your hands that has been noted. It's we send it back through the mail with a postage stamp. When you open it up, you will see it. At the top will be the date. It's put in automatically by the the WordPress blog. Um, then will be the date it was printed. That's automatic. I can't change that. That will demonstrate it was up there for 30 days. It'll have your name and address, and it'll be mailed to you. If you receive it, that meant you were there at that address, and it will have gone through the post official post office to get to you. And uh, it's just one little page. Yeah, I'm, I like it. Yeah, I think it it might help people, even your son. Because now you can say, what contract do you have? Somebody, in our town, they said, well, we've decided to have street lights on your street. It's going to cost you 10000 So we started with a letter saying, uh, great, good to know. Um, but um, w- what contract did I say sign that said I was willing to pay $10,000 for street lights? Well, then you get the letter back, and they said, well, the city passed an ordinance. And you say, great, glad you did. Um, what contract do you have with my signature on it, whereby I agreed to follow all the city corporation ordinances? (laughs) In other words, when you push them and say, you know, you and I know they're all under contract law because they're all over corporation, and you say, what contract do you have with my signature on it? The funny thing is the game starts to fall apart. And I've watched people do this, and the first thing is the city attorney sends a letter saying, we've got a fine here. We're going to fine you if you don't do this. If For people who don't pay this, we get this fine. So then I sent a letter back saying, I appreciate that you passed the regulation, and I, I do understand that you, that you have a fine, and I'd be glad to, to cooperate. All I'm asking is you provide me with a contract with my signature on whereby I agreed 
to abide by all your all your your regulations or ordinances. Thank you so much. And you know what? The game dies. They don't have a contract with your name on it. It's a presumption. It's amazing. You want to take some questions now? Sure. And it, it's even a better presumption if you have this letter that we're just talking about because you can say, uh, I don't believe I've signed any contracts, see attached. And then you've got a letter saying that you've noticed the world, that you're not a U.S. citizen, you're a living flesh and blood man, and you are amending any signature that you put out there with without prejudice. So then you've got something in your file that will add a little meat to that. If you feel like you want to challenge this, but, you know, well, you, it's hard to challenge them. You know that, Angela. I mean, they can get pretty nasty. Oh, yeah, and, and most people, once they walk into a courtroom, they freeze. Well, yeah, the just whole idea so, not to, like it, not to get into like, the courtroom to say no and not go. That's the, well, yeah. Yeah. Someone in the audience here, always learning, says or is asking, what if the judge says you your only choices are agent, settler, individual, or person? <laughs> what do you say then? You're none of the above. If you, first of all, you shouldn't be in the courtroom. I do not. I do not. That's an administrative court for the person. We all know that. They're administering statutory law. I just read to people that that's what it is. It's an administrative court for statutory law. Okay, that's what it is. Nothing to do with justice. They're looking to the fines, the fees. They're going to collect money, and, and they're going to take money. You know, money goes in, in and out of the CUSIP account. This is all business. It's not nothing to do with justice. Yeah. So I agree with Judge Dale when he says if they send you a summons, and it's we also put out a book called Lawfully Yours, which is on our website, which has 60-some pages of strategies like the one I just mentioned, which would be sending a letter back to the city saying, you know, what contract you have with my name on it. We have a bunch of strategies like that in our guidebook to a corporate commercial government. And so do you do you get that do you get that document recorded? The, which which document? The lawfully the condition press the condition precedent. Proceeding. No, you don't need to. It's in your it's already been posted. It's like a legal notice. You know when they do a legal notice. Sure. Okay. You've noticed the world. You've got proof that you've noticed so that's the posted world. on the website. Correct. Now, some people say, well, if it's not in the newspaper, and, and, and our answer to that is, well, I don't think uh, Whole Foods terms and conditions and Adobe terms and conditions are in newspapers either. And yet, they feel by posting them on the Internet that they're enforceable, don't they? They do it all the time. They do it every freaking day. Yeah. All they do is post it in the World Wide Web. And therefore, obviously, they think that's enforceable. So I think we should make the conclusion that they wouldn't be doing that if it didn't have some force and effect. So we'll do the same thing. We'll post it on the Internet. We've got proof that we've posted it. Then we've got it. We'll send copies whenever we need to. Okay, you want to take some questions? Sure. Got a whole bunch of people lined up here. First off is Bob T. Go ahead, Bob. Oh no! Can you hear me? 
Yeah, I can hear you. Uh-oh, good thing. I was just about to flush the toilet. <laughs> I had to mute you out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad you didn't. Did you have a question or a so comment? How you been? Yeah, have you guys heard about Colorado and stuff? Yeah, they were successful, right? Well, we need juries. No, we need jurors in Colorado. Anyone in Colorado? Angela, I was authorized to give you uh, Stephen Kino's number, email address and everything. If there's anyone on Colorado (laughs) that would like to join the jury pool, but you got to be on Colorado, um, you're all welcome. We 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 need as many people as we can get. From all okay. walks of life. I don't. And how would they contact you, Bob? I'm 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 authorized, Angela, to give the number over the phone. Okay, go ahead. Really? Yeah, for people that want to join your jury pool, give the number. And Stephen Kino. I put those. I put on the chat the 4CD website and the uh, freecountry.com and just click on Colorado. And okay, then, go ahead and uh, get the numbers. Get the number, Bob. Okay, Kino, move on. Kino, 970-731-9729. I'll repeat, 970-731-9729. You got it? Read it back. Got it. I, I didn't Read write it, it down. I'm not in Colorado, so. Read it back. I, I didn't write it down, Bob. We'll have somebody else read it back. Oh, well, nobody else is unmuted. Oh, here, oh. always. Uh, 970-731-9729. Yeah. That, okay, yes. great. Thank you. Wait. That's who? The email address. Kino, K-E-N-E-K-E-N-Z-O, no, let me start over, K-E-N-O dot Steve at Yahoo dot com. And you can call your... What? Thank you, Angela. You're welcome. my chest. Thank love you. you know that, don't you? Hey, you know, we're home. Love you, right? too. <laughs> when I, if my family will ever accept me, I'll... Because I'm from your neck of the woods. I was born in Torrance, raised in Carson. Got yeah. all my trouble in Long Beach and, you know, SoCal. I love you, Bob. We got to move on, honey. I love you, too. Bye. <laughs> Talk to you later. Okay, next up, Great Kazoo. Do you have a question or a comment for our guest speaker? Great Kazoo, you've been unmuted. Oh, I guess you haven't been unmuted. I hit the button. (laughs) Hello, you've been unmuted. I I did it myself. Can you hear me now? Yes, thank you. Okay. I wanted to comment about the audio that you played. Uh, I I heard that a while ago, and... um, it's very difficult to watch that poor guy. Uh, and, it, and I'm glad that you played it because it really puts emphasis on how, you know, we really need to understand this stuff before we go running in there thinking we got the the, the silver bullet. 
Absolutely. And, uh, he was tricked. It was just the judge, the judge was relentless, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And th- there's a few things wrong with that, not just the individual, but the presentment, too. He was demanding a presentment after the judge had already made the presentment. Because in the UCC 3501, I think it is, they, they can make a presentment audibly, like just tell it to you. And that's the presentment. Well, and what about yeah. the fact that the judge, the judge says, uh, "I affirm, I affirm my own oath." You know, I'm like, "What is that?" Yeah, because he's the court. That's he assumed the role of the court. That's <laughs> right. I mean, it, it, yeah. you could just hear the scam going on. I thought, anyway. But there is a video where a guy actually won using the same kind of. Uh, but he didn't use like the individual. But he went in there. And just by the seat of his pants, he didn't have any paperwork or nothing and just talked his way out of it. And it's really great. It's it's called How to Deal with Courts No Matter Their, quote, charge slash claim, quote, end quote. How to deal with courts no matter their charge or claim. Right. right? And the channel is J.E. Heretic. Yeah. Right. Okay, now we all probably realize, and I know I have because I've seen enough of these, that I'm just going to say it. I do not believe all judges are honorable, folks. Oh, no, of course not. It can't be. And that's your wild card as well. That's why (laughs) we try to tell people, uh, avoid it if you can, because they're not all honorable. They're a bunch of scum. I'm sorry, but that's what I think. Yeah, they are criminals. And they're... Tricking people. They're the criminal justice system. And you you see them tricking people. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Tom Deegan uh, from West Virginia. He was in court several times. He he was extremely bold. He's extremely smart. He ended up in jail. But I watched the YouTubes, his his supporters, and they were really smart, wonderful people. He is as well. Um, I watched him in that courtroom, and I was told that he had spent like a sleepless night, that they did everything they could to wear him down. And he was trying to say he wasn't the person. And she she had him in shackles. And she had them bring the bailiff, bring him right up to the bench. And she kept repeating the trickery and repeating the trickery. There was nothing stupid about Tom Deegan. He was just plain tired. You know? Yeah. Well, they use that as does, well. They use that he, as well. This, what you'll see in this video, is there the judge is is silent. The, yeah. It's the prosecutor that's speaking up, yeah, and saying, "Well, well, uh, we want the guy. He's in there for a parking ticket, and he goes in there and he says, uh, you know, I'm I'm here on the matter, right?' And he's like, "Okay, well, you've been charged. You got a parking ticket on this day, and this is this uh." Vehicle and plate number, da 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 da. And he goes, well, you know, this. I sometimes use that name. And they're like, oh, well, are you the driver or not? You know, they're trying to say like, are you are you John Doe? And he says, well, I sometimes use the name. Is are you claiming that that it belongs to me? And this, he went on and on like that. And then the prosecutor started getting nervous, and she speaks up and she's trying to talk to him directly, right? Like in the courtroom. Yes. And she's trying to get him. Uh, to say that that that's his name, yeah, that's my name, sure. Right. No, he's saying I sometimes use that name, 
Yeah. Or, or sometimes I'm known by that name. Yeah. And then they shut everything down. Like, <laughs> we'll, we'll hold you to the end. And she takes him into a private room, and it's all on, re- on the recording. She takes him in the side room, and they're talking, and she's still trying to get him to to admit that this, this is his name. He wants... She wants him to make a claim, and he says, I don't I don't claim that name. I just use it. So <laughs> then they come out into the court, and she's like, well, Your Honor, uh, we're going to have to dismiss because we don't have pictures. We don't right? have what? We don't have pictures of the car, the VIN number, oh, the license okay. plate, what kind of color it is, all this kind of stuff, where it's parked. She's saving right? face. <laughs> yeah, she's trying to get off on a technicality, and then he doesn't let her. He comes back and says, oh, well, you know, pictures, that's all just hearsay anyway, right? And she's like, well, uh, no, uh, technically, uh, you know, hearsay would be like experts, you know, if they draw graphs and things like that or whatever yeah. the expert says. That's hearsay. And he goes, no. Is the, is the picture going to testify against me? <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, you know, I've, I've been, you, you're fine. Just go on. And she tells him that he needs to go to law school and stuff, that, he, you know, he's, he's got something there to, to work on. But it's pretty good. It's called How to Deal with Courts No Matter Their Charge Slash Claim. Yeah, I mean, I it's the link in the need, chat. they need you oh, to agree you? Okay. to be yeah. that legal person. They need you to agree, and people, people don't yeah. get that. The reason that they, our driver's license expire every four years, they need us to sign the document to agree to the new statutes, the new contract. They need that, and we keep doing it. <laughs> Yeah. See, I'm thinking that if you can get them to tell you that you that that it is your name and all this stuff, they're going to collapse the trust. It'll collapse because you have proven life because you're not the one making the claim on property that's not yours or property that's missing, lost at sea, or whatever. Whatever the thing is, right? You're not claiming the name. They're putting it on you, just like the trial of Jesus. Well, you I've know? never Are seen. I've seen Jesus people, and they say. Jesus says, "That's what you call me." Well, I've seen right? people. I've seen people have the cases dismissed. Okay, and they and they leave, uh, and they're they're okay. They don't go to jail. I I don't know that we have any evidence that when that happens, wh- what Judge Dale says when that happens is the prosecutor has to pay the court costs, and they don't like to do that. I don't know of anyone who thinks that that caused the trust to collapse. All I know no, is no, 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 no. I'm yeah. saying, if you, if if they tell you that yes, this is yours, and then you notify that you tell them, okay, they want, I want a full accounting and assessment because that is an organization, right? Because the, the the birth certificate does not identify the person presenting it. They can't identify. They can't register humans. That's slavery. So they have to create the organization, which is the instrumentality for them to have control over you acting as the agent. They pledge you a surety saying you're going to pay all the bills forever. But when you don't, there's a guy in Canada. He kept getting a power bill. He kept calling him up and say, hey, you know, I got the power bill. I want to pay the power bill, only you've got it addressed this way, and God is no respecter of persons. I'm not a person. I want you to address it like this. You know, I want you to spell my name correctly, and then I'll pay. This went on for like four years. The guy never, he ended up moving, right? He moved to the next place over, and then what happened is he turned on his power, and you know how when you you move, they want you to pay the bill from before. Well, there was nothing. 
and it, it all started all over again. I want I want to pay this, but you haven't addressed it to me, and it's against my religion. I don't want to, you know, mark of the beast and all this kind of stuff. You give them the religious angle, and what are they going to do? They have to, they have to charge the person. That's why all the statues are all set up for the person. I think. Have you done this yourself? Listen, when your case is dismissed and they kick you out, I think that after you leave, they continue with the proceedings. The prosecutor will sign on your behalf because you've abandoned your person out there. They take control of it and they just pay. They just make. They just uh, plunder the estate like they were going to for whatever the charge was. Well, we can't prove that, can we? We I can't prove that. If, if we don't I know what to do. Behind closed that's doors. what I would do. I mean, think about. Well, they no, 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 no. What's logical they and the what they do are not the same. Men and women, not for the persons. We got jails for humans, not persons. I understand that. All I'm saying is I don't make any presumptions about what they do because what they do is under un, under color of law and it's behind closed doors. All I want to make sure that people understand on the first step of this how many ways they are volunteering into it because they don't understand how the system works. I personally don't think you can get out from under the system. I can't. Angela's son can't. I can't. We have some pension funds that are in the Federal Reserve note in their system in an account with our person legal fiction name on them. I'm not going to want, we can't afford to walk away from our pension funds. Right, but see, so what we're doing is this instead. If you if you play the role that they've built for you, they don't want to play. If you sign the as as agent or authorized representative or for John Doe, all caps, by agent or anything like that, what are they going to do? They can't. They people are getting out of jail because they sign authorized representative. They can't hold you because they got the wrong guy. They well, want. They're talking about jail. Function. That's one thing. Now, if we're talking about our gas bill, our electric bill, our our savings account, our checking account, well, look, our pension, our house. No, wait, wait, great, because let her finish. Okay. Right. If you're talking about the things that we, I mean, this is all academic. That's why we, the idea of the the this this uh, condition precedent is to allow us to use it when it's to our advantage to use. We do not believe. There's any way, as long as they control the Federal Reserve note, we buy our property with a Federal Reserve note, we get paid, our paycheck comes, our our pension, our disability, all of that comes in the Federal Reserve note. We do not believe that you can completely get out from under this unless somebody, we have sovereign money again, and I don't know that Trump is going to get that done so we want to have the option to say no when we know it's necessary and we really need to say no. I, for one, don't fight traffic issues. I am more concerned about what I see coming down the pike is mandatory vaccines. And that truly, I want to be ready to be able to say no, it doesn't apply to me when that day comes. That's really where I'm at. Yeah, the, the vaccines, it's... You, you make a religious claim. My faith will heal me. They That's don't your... recognize the religious thing on vaccines anymore. They haven't done that since um, 1945, Prince versus Massachusetts, 1944. That's when they brought in the parents' patriae doctrine, and 
the state at the time says that um, the state has the right to protect the community and therefore the parents' rights of religion or conscience do not supersede the state's rights regarding child labor and mandatory vaccines. That's their corporate world. So unless we find a condition proceeding, they are not recognizing religious rights anymore. Because it's not your kid. That's why, you know, I mean, look, they force you to sign the, once you sign the birth certificate application, you're, you 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 got no kids. You've got custody of someone else's property until maturity. Yeah, yeah no, you know, all of that stuff was done without disclosure of what you were signing, you know, and I think that nullifies any belief that they think they own you because well, you didn't agree to it. That's why because the you signed a birth certificate. presumption stays in place. That's yeah, why you, rebut. you always have to rebut the presumption. That's yes, why that's we put true. right in the notice of condition preceding an opportunity for people to bring in their children, their minor children. Uh-huh. Saying, let it be known <clears throat> the notice serves to amend my son's certificate of live birth. People sign that and don't even know what that means. And rebut any presumption that the state has parental authority, parents patriae, over Jimmy John Doe. If we don't uh, rebut the presumption in writing with a public notice, the presumption will remain. Right. Joyce was real big on that one. Yeah, she was. She's right. There's another angle to that, too. You could say, if if they hold up the birth certificate and say, well, this gives us a right, remind them that they've only registered the event, right. not the substance, not the child. They've got, the event. It doesn't matter. The mother's signature is on the certificate of live birth. I've looked at these certificates of live birth. That's where they get you. You involuntary pledge that child or interest in that child before you leave the hospital. Um, Judge Anna Von Wright said that when she had her last child, she was 40 years old, she was in a hospital, and she said they told her if she didn't sign the certificate of live birth, they wouldn't let her go home with the baby. With the baby. They would keep the baby. Now, here's the thing. There are people who haven't signed. There's another case. I think they're in Alabama who refused to sign it, and they took the child. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I heard about people that were, they actually called their lawyer. It's better to sign it and put without prejudice over the signature. and just have the baby at home. Or somewhere else, not in oh, I know, but, you know, I talked to my friend Ingrid Castle, who was a co-host at one time. Oh, I know her. Okay. and she's, I, I, I used to know her husband also. Bless oh, yeah, heart, Don. okay. Well, but, she was um, telling me that they were working with midwives, and the midwives um, are licensed now, and if they find that they are doing a home delivery and not getting this document signed, that they lose their license. Yeah. If they're doing yeah, home deliveries. No. So no. if it was me and I was, you know, telling my daughter what to do, I would say sign above your signature, sign without prejudice. Just Oh, you do it above, not below. Above. And that was that was Joyce who said she said they can cut it off if you do it below. So do it above. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. What a, what a bright woman. You and then go under duress after they threaten you. But I heard about people they wouldn't sign, and they said they threatened them, and they were like, okay, well, I'm calling my lawyer because this is kidnapping. 
and they all left the room, and then they came back. They went and spoke to the director of the hospital or whatever, and they, they ended up getting out of there. They're getting bolder and bolder. There's a website called Medical Kidnapping. I'm telling you, as I'm watching this medical nightmare unfold, and I, I think I mentioned my husband was sick, and I'm watching it unfold, they are getting bolder and bolder and bolder. There are children who've been kidnapped um, from the hospital because the parents said no to vaccines. So we're trying yeah. to find the safest way to reserve your future ability to make your claims that you're not one of theirs, but right. not put yourself at risk. I did get a driver's license, Angela. And above yeah. it, I signed without prejudice, right there on the document. And did it work? I I haven't. We haven't had any encounters with them. Yeah, okay. My name. I mean, did they send you? Did they send you the driver's license with that on it? Well, they give you the driver's license right there. Uh oh. Okay. But doesn't how they they instantly do your picture and everything? Yeah, right they there? put right there. It's been so long since I was in the DMV. I didn't know they did that. And I yeah, did renew. Do. I did renew my license plates because I've got a lot to do, and I'm not going to argue with these people right. for, yeah. for that. I, so I put without prejudice above my above my signature when I every time I sign it. I sign it at a hospital. I sign it at a medical clinic. No matter where at the dentist's office, I put Very without good. prejudice at any time I sign it because I'm not taking any chances. Once you have the yeah. condition precedent. Then you know if you need something to enforce that, you've got something in your in your file that you can use. Yeah, I got one more comment real quick. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, an infant's um, immune system doesn't fully develop till six months, and doctors know that. You can ask them when they want to vaccinate your your newborn. You can ask them when does the immune system for a child develop, and they'll tell you six months. Okay, well. Why are you giving them vaccines to boost their immune system that they don't even have? Yeah, it doesn't. You know? It doesn't help. These doctors are getting paid more for each fully vaccinated child, and so what they're telling the parents is, if you don't uh, accept the vaccination schedule, you can go elsewhere. Yeah, and that we should do. We should all go elsewhere. All I right. Agree. Thanks so much, Great Kazoo. We're going to move on, though, because we're running past the two-hour mark, and we have four people in line with their hand up. Next up is California. Go ahead. You've been unmuted. And then we have another fat California, and then Quad, and then Central Florida. Okay, go ahead, California. I haven't been on in a while, but happy eighth-year uh, anniversary. Thank you, Dallas. Hi. Nice to hear your voice. Yeah, Where have you been? Good. Uh, taking care of my daddy. He had pneumonia. Mercy he was in the hospital. Almost died. Oh no! So oh he's my in the hospital God. and he's off now, but he's doing good. And I'm sitting here. Oh, After good. I get off, I'll be giving him a bed bath. So oh, <laughs> I was waiting well, before I gave that to bless him. Bless your heart. <laughs> and, um, I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah, I I just happened to come on and listen and hear it because I noticed I, I thought it was a guy who was going to be on it said Al and I went I Alex. It, but that's a woman. Is that Angela? No, it's not Angela. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but then I, I know realized. when she sent me her picture, I was said I sent an email back. Oh, I'm so glad you're a woman. We need women speakers, <laughs> you know, because I thought she was a man too. I had no idea. Yeah, but then then my, <laughs> but, my my dad always called my mom Al because her name is Alice, so oh, he always called her Al. Well, I have a I have a guy I work with. He's another one. Um, he's in 
uh, Fulton County, Ohio. His wife does his um, his he uses her website, and so her name is Sherry. So whenever he calls me, you know, I say hi, Sherry, and he says hi, Al. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, I I've been listening for a while because I've been hanging on, and uh, I have a, I can I can talk about so many things on here, but I'm picking some things. I just pick some things out here, yeah. But just kind of go through some of the quick things before I get to that audio because I had some questions about the audio. Um, uh, you talked about the DMV thing so without prejudice and uh, the signature that should the without prejudice should always go above your signature. Anything above your signature is what counts. Anything below your signature. It's not part of the document. Okay. So without prejudice, uh, and that's all it's needed about prejudice. I have without I've used without prejudice for years. Good for uh, you. And I was at the D. I use it in all the documents I have. I I, I did it at the DMV okay. when I I had to take care of my dad several years ago. This is oh my goodness, about eight years ago I guess it's been. I had to take care of him. And I had to get a. I haven't had a driver license since '94. Okay, and. Uh, and uh, and that's going to be the issue. I'll talk about the audio that we heard tonight. But uh, I had to go and get a, a California ID card in order to take care of my dad to get into for him to get into IHSS stuff that's here, so he could get services for that. And um, and I went to the DMV out here where I am in Norco, California, and it took me four a little over four hours to get that ID card. The reason why is because of how I filled out the document and I didn't give them a social security number. Well, they freaked out. They said, it's a lot. Did you say they didn't? Oh, they did Did freak out. I didn't give a social security number on the application. And they freaked out and they they said, you have to give it. I said, said, well, law requires that. It's on the back of the application. So turn to the back. I said, yeah, there's a federal law there. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, 42 SC section 405, I think it was. And, uh, and they say, that's it right there. I said, well, what does that law say? Can you explain it to me? No one knew. I said, well, let me explain it to you. That only applies in federal areas. Under Title IV of the United States Code, Section 110, that's where it applies. It doesn't apply here <laughs> because it doesn't have a regulation that implements it here. And uh, this applies in the U.S. territories of possessions. Okay, I had all my paperwork. I had all my documents. had all the rules and regulations and laws and stuff. And I gave it to them. That took about an hour and a half with them going over it and my dad and I sitting down. They came back and said, well, we've gone through your documents and we've contacted Sacramento and we did this and did that. And uh, what you have here is accurate. But we, we're the DMV and we still have to get your social security number. I said, well, since you saw get it, then I have to fill out your application a certain way. So I wrote everything on there and I signed it without prejudice. And they said, you can't do that. I said, well, can you show me the regulation and laws that says that I can't? That took another 40 minutes. Oh Came back and they said, okay, fine, you can do that. So I filled out the paperwork. And <laughs> oh, they said, really? Take yeah. your picture and, you know, and go ahead, stand up here to take your picture. Now sign on the, sign on the electronic device here your signature. So I signed it. And the woman said, you can't sign your name like that. I said, well, what, what law says I can't do that? That's another 30 minutes. And they came back and said, okay, fine. We can't find the law, so you can sign it that way and, and uh, just make it clear. And that's how I had that card ever since. It has got me out of some traffic tickets where I got stopped by cops. I just said, here, use this. They asked me for a driver's license, and they let me go. And 
Well, there, and there you have it. And, you know, people have to be willing to do what you did. In other words, they are part of the corporate structure. They are working in Federal Reserve notes. They are engaged in commerce. That's what they are. They have to abide by UCC rules, which allows you to restrict your signature. Not only does it allow you in UCC 1-308, in UCC 1-305, it says specifically that your remedies are to be liberally administered. Mm -hmm. So not only are they saying they have to do it, they're saying when in doubt they have to do it. Yes. And we have to be willing to fight them like you are saying, well, I can do that. And they're saying, no, you can't. And you're saying, yes, I can. Yeah, or what I just tell them, I said, well, can you show me the rules and regulations that says I can't? Right. And I shut them and let them answer it. Yep. And they, they can't, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what I'm asking for, so they can't find it. So they they come back and, you know, and, yeah, and they tell me, well, you have to do it. And I say, well, well you know. Right. Uh, you know, I'll tell them, well, show me the rules that says that I, you know, that I have to, and they can't. So they they can't, and this is so important. I hope everybody's listening. They cannot stop you, but you might have to be willing to stand your ground. Yes. And I, I know that's hard for a lot of people, though. You know that. It, well, you know, it, it was difficult for me in the beginning. Yeah. But something happened to me in the past that changed my attitude. Mm-hmm. And uh, I end up. We're indoctrinated from a very young age yeah, to be yeah. very compliant, you know, exactly. good slaves, you know, and oh yeah, and sign this, and sign this, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, and you know what's nice is your signature right here. Right. Listening tonight, it's really interesting here that it took a lady to put this information, this basic information, and syntax, order and sequence, for us to understand it. You, Al. Oh, geez, thank you. That's very nice. Uh, Because I've been listening. It's like, okay. I mean, it's stuff that I've known for a long time. Yeah. But you put it in a good good sequence. Thank you. That makes sense. Well, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Because it's simple and I think it's risk-free. And, you know, like you've got your father getting services. Now, you may want to cooperate in their system when your father gets services. That doesn't mean he can't sign without prejudice. Well, that's you know? another issue that I was going to talk about. And you don't want to <laughs> deny him services if you can't afford him. So that's why I'm saying we're we got to find a middle ground here, people. Yes. <laughs> but you, you know the one thing I realized. Okay, the one thing that the one thing that it says in the scripture it says to be in the world, but do not be of it. And so I, I I've I've gone through a lot of these processes since 1984. Uh-huh. So been around a long time. And I've yet to see anyone, like you said, really do things consistently. Yeah. Okay, over and over again. And I've been through more quote unquote gurus than you can ever imagine. Um, and one of the ones I've, I've started with was Armin Kondo back yeah. in Garden Grove. And, uh, ah, the Armin Kondo letter. Yeah, the Armin Kondo letter. And he got, he got, he had a, he had a <laughs> building on Garden Grove Boulevard, all red, white, and blue. And I went to his IRS meeting and got scared crapless. I didn't know what to do. And because uh, um, I didn't know anything about that stuff, and they shut him down because of his signature card in the bank. And at the time, that's what they were doing. But yeah, a lot of these guys, you know, I've seen them all over the place. But the thing I realized is there's no way to get out of this system, right? Completely. Correct. So you have to learn how to maneuver your way through it. Absolutely, you are absolutely right on. And there's too many people. I mean, and look at Angela's son. 
there's no reason he should not have to get that Social Security for some theoretical position, you know? I mean, he... Yeah, and Angela's doing exactly what she should be doing, because guess what, Angela? Yeah. My dad gets his right. in the mail. Right. <laughs> Nothing's automatically yeah. deposited. Good. Right. I mean, you get, but, in but, in the, but along with the check in the envelope is that thing that says you are required by law. Yeah, I know. Well, you, 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 you see, know? the thing is, I've gone through some processes with them. Apparently, whenever I call anywhere from San Diego to Sacramento, and I say my name, Dallas, they say, oh, we're not supposed to talk to you. <laughs> and they hang up on me, right? And uh, Because I put them through more you. stuff you in the past eight years. And every time I talk with someone, they say, oh, well, I know what you want. You want the regulations, <laughs> huh? Well, of course. You know, if you're going to say that that's what you're requiring me to do, then you need to show me the regulations that you have the authority to do that. Right. And what was interesting is that for the past well, this will be the fourth year because every year my dad gets reevaluated as a recipient. And, um, and I realize, you know, I need to take care of him. I can't go out. He has, to, he has 24-7 observation because of his condition. And he depends 100% on me. And they had me sign something. I, I finally looked at the paperwork and read the whole thing and realized there was one line on there that I asked this one social worker. Can, the second page actually said, if you don't understand it, because this document is signed under penalty of perjury by the recipient, and I'm the authorized representative for my dad as a recipient, because he can't sign for himself. And it said on there uh, that uh, if, um, if you don't understand it, ask your social worker, and they are required to explain it to you. <laughs> you know, for the past three years, I've asked them, and no one can explain this one line on there. Uh, I know what it is. Line. I know where to locate it. I know where to locate it in their documents, but I'm not going to tell them. Right, and, uh, and that one line says, uh, verify that your provider is a resident of the United States. So I asked him, uh, what's the verification process? So I know I'm doing the right thing. Can you tell me what the definition of resident is? And a resident of the United States, and you, can you tell me which United States are you talking about? You and know, how do you reside in a corporation? I, th I always thought that's interesting. It was I reside in, are you a resident of IBM? No. <laughs> yeah, it's under Title Eight, is what it is. But the thing is, every year they come over and they ask me, are you going to sign this? And I say, did you get the answer for me? And they say, no. I said, well, you answered your own question. I haven't signed it going on four years now. Well, I just want to talk to somebody about if you, if you have someone on Medicare, this happened to us, so I'm, this is an opportunity for me to warn people. Okay, if you're, remember, without prejudice on everything from this moment forward, and then do a condition preceding so you can back backtrack because what Medicare did is they decided that if you're on Medicare, you should have a welcome to Medicare visit with your doctor or annual wellness visits with your doctor. I looked up those those visits and it is really quite frightening. You're supposed to sit down with your doctor and Medicare pays for this, but your doctor is supposed to do an analysis of your cognition and your doctor is supposed to give you a test to determine if you're depressed, which of course then the doctor could put you on medication. And some of this, these are screenings, and one of them frequently used is uh, a lipid test to see if your cholesterol is high so they can put you on statins. So these wellness visits, they're not a good thing, folks. It, the reason that Medicare is paying for it is it's just opening the door Oh, and then at the visit, you're supposed to put together a managed care plan with your doctor for the next year. 
where your doctor tells you how your care should be managed for the next year. So, again, if you have without prejudice all over the place, then you can say, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, they threatened me uh, to take my dad away from me at the VA hospital in Loma Linda, California. Because? He's a, he's a veteran. Because I would not allow them to uh, apply the, administer the drugs to him that they were giving him, they were giving him antipsychotics, and I told him enough is enough, it's controlling his motor functions, and I don't like that, and I don't agree with it. And uh, I'd already taken him off the statins and everything else, and something else, his cholesterol got better after he got off the statins. And, uh, but they were, they were threatening to take him away from me because I didn't have the power of attorney, but I did get power of attorney for my dad. Did you good? uh, Good. And the thing is, uh, you know, so they don't threaten me anymore, and and the doctors always say, well, yes, this is... Yes, this is a veteran son, and, and he understands everything just like you understand it, so you could talk to him at your level, and they do. Yeah. And, uh, good and you. I studied good for, you. My, for my dad, so that way they don't take advantage of him. They but would, he, and they would, th- those antidepressants would actually ruin him, and you know that. Yes, and they wanted to keep him there for six to eight weeks to test him out if he's not a guinea pig. I actually brought a noose in the hospital, and I said, who's first? The tree is outside, and I knew I could get arrested, but I brought it anyway. The psychiatrists and the doctors and the pharmacists just, like, jumped back in their seats. And they, they actually took notice that I was serious. So they didn't bother me after that. Well, but we have the, on my website, and message, I have to tell minute, you that it's Declaration of Patients' Rights. The, and I mentioned it before, and everybody should have that, and you should have it on behalf of your father since you have medical power of attorney. They have given us the right of informed consent. I don't care what those doctors say. This is coming from the federal corporation All patients have a right of informed consent. The problem isn't that they haven't given it to us. The problem is they they aren't providing the informed part. (laughs) So this declaration that you can give to his doctors states that you're entitled to a second opinion. Now, your second opinion is, of course, that you're knowledgeable about these these psychotic drugs. And And based on that, you are not consenting. But it also states in that declaration, which I could read to you, um, that this is not to be uncharted as you, as you being noncompliant, okay? This is to be charted as you feeling that the benefits don't outweigh the risks, and you have a right to that opinion. Yeah, you know, the thing, the thing is they're all, they all praise me now because my dad lives five years longer than they expected. Surprise, surprise, right? Yeah, surprise, surprise. <laughs> you know, I, have two, I have two things about the two codes you mentioned and the question about the audio, and that, that's all I have here. But you mentioned about the California code that talk about man or men change to person or persons. Yes. Something I did with that, that's California Government Code Section 12.5. Okay. Now it says that wherever man or men are used, it shall be deemed to be person or persons. Right. And as a declaratory and uh, not uh, mandatory of the existing law. Right. Well, the thing is, they deemed it. And anything that's deemed is creates a creates something to exist that really doesn't, or creates something not to exist that really does. That's correct. And so they, I requested from 20 years ago, I think I requested from the California Archives in, Sacramento, in uh, San Francisco to send me the stat. I think it was 1976 it was changed. And they sent it to me. It wasn't any different. Same thing. So I requested, I want to know the history behind the change that the California legislature, the reason why they changed it. And they actually sent it to me. It took about three months. They sent it to me. Uh And I got the history as to why they did that. 
and what they stated in there is that because women were coming up in the world and you know they didn't want to discriminate against oh, the women, yeah. it, so they didn't want to be gender specific, and that's why <laughs> they changed it from man or man to person or person, so that way it wouldn't offend the women. That was <laughs> they, in the document. They couldn't have said man or woman. No. Well, the thing is, a man, a woman is a man because she is a woman. man. She is a female, and the thing is is that it's, she's all part of mankind. Right, correct. And so the thing is, when they refer to men, in their, in, their, in their policies, they refer to white males 21 years or over. And that was what they were referring to. Yeah, right. So, yeah, that was that. And the other one was, uh, uh, you mentioned about 28 U.C. Section 1746. Yeah. The Unsworn Declaration. Right. Um, What's interesting is that, and I, I've used that on more stuff than you ever imagined, on W4s, all kinds of stuff for years, and yeah. it's worked really well. And yeah. um, uh, doing it without means it's outside of their federal corporation, exactly. outside of federal, uh, federal area. Right. And uh, the, uh, the reason why it works is because there's no there's no legislative authority that implements its authority within uh, our jurisdiction here. It only right. applies within the federal area because in the parallel table authorities, it doesn't exist. Correct, but also, if you're within the corporation, you are a United States citizen and you're volunteering. Yes, <laughs> within the United States. Yes, you're volunteering, yeah. and then they get you because they say, well, I heard a woman said, did you, one guy was trying to get out from under this, and, and, they, and they were ready for him, and they said, did you register to vote? And he said, well, yeah, because I wanted to run for office. And, I mean, that was it. That's all it took. That's all it took. <laughs> and, and, that, and they didn't even explain it. They just said, did you register to vote? He said, yes. And they, that was it. He was done. Yeah. And the reason, and the thing is that the way I sign my name, I use the sign by, colon, space, and then my name there. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then sometimes I'll use without prejudice above it, but still right. it's, you know, by accommodation, so it's not really me. I'm signing for legal fiction in regards to helping legal fiction get through commerce. And I, every document I have, the, the ID card I have from California is signed that way. Yeah. And uh, so they can't tell me I can't do it because the, the power attorney have it signed that way. Everything I have is signed and has been accepted everywhere, so they can't say I can't use it. Right. And that's why I did that several years ago. You know what you've done? You've resurrected yourself from the dead. <laughs> it, it's, it's been a lot easier lately. Because <laughs> the fiction isn't started. alive. I keep saying, this isn't about land or sea. This is about are you alive or dead? Yeah. And, and, and being able to maneuver your way through the crap that's there with yeah. what they put you through. And the thing is, the last thing I have was that, that audio. And that was a question I had. You said that that's an audio of someone you didn't know. I did not know. No, I found that on YouTube. It is the case, and I did follow that. You can, you can type in YouTube and do a search for Judge John Hurley. Okay. He's in Broward County, I believe, Florida, and he is quite a nasty creature. Um, there's a lot of videos with him, and um, this is a. I mean, it was a real video. It was actually a bail hearing. He said. You mentioned this last time, and I read up on this, you know. So this was the bail hearing, and the and poor David Hall was at the jail, and I believe he might even have had handcuffs, and they had a room at the jail and a camera. So they would bring the people in to the room, 
The judge was in the courtroom with a camera. David Hall was in the jail area with a camera. And that's how they communicated. Oh, that's how they did it. Wow. Yeah. See, I, I, I've been through that. Oh, God. <laughs> what he went through. I've been through that. I was in jail three times See, doing things that way. I don't want to do that. Process. I don't want to go to jail. But you know what? I learned a lot. And <laughs> I learned a lot. Okay. I did. That was the first time I was ever arrested. And that was when the commercial process first started in 1999. I was learning. I made mistakes. And I had to go through two. I had a lot of traffic tickets <laughs> out that I never, ever took care of. And that's what came back to haunt me. And, uh, um, and I went through the process, and I was told, this is what you do, you know, by the guru. And I did it three days later after I learned it, and I did it. And, and um, that was Rice McLeod. And I, uh, I got arrested. Yeah. And um, I'm going like, okay, I'm in this. I'm like, look, keep my eyes and ears open and learn. Yeah. And it's amazing what I learned going through that process. By the time I got yeah. to L.A. County, I got everything dismissed, well. which is interesting. And they wanted to put fifty thousand a bill on me, put me back in jail, and do all this stuff. And you know, and, uh, and the thing was, listening to that thing tonight, that audio. Yeah. There's so many mistakes he made. Yeah. So many mistakes. And the most important mistake he made is he probably didn't find out whether or not he had a court record. Well, I'll tell you, it was sad to hear, though. Didn't you feel sorry for him? Yeah, but it's a good yeah. learning tool. Yeah, he just oh. Yeah, we're learning from him. I'm. I don't want to learn the hard way. I'm tired of doing that. Now let me ask you a question. Now, in listening to that it audio, it's going to have to be at Dallas because yeah, got I have one five question. people. I have one you. question. Listening to that audio, what do you feel his biggest mistake was? He was relying on the fact. Okay, I will tell you exactly. And a bunch of us analyzed it. The judge looks, and you heard on the tape how the judge was looking at the paperwork. The paperwork. Well, hold on, I want to see this paperwork. Well, hold on, I can't talk, I want to see the paperwork. Hold on, I want to see the paperwork. So the judge already was looking for the signed documents and all the paperwork he needed to proceed. There was nothing in the judge's folder that said, I am a a man, you know, I am this. He didn't even have anything in the paperwork referring to his UCC. That's, I have been told by a lot of people, if you don't file it in the court and it's not on the judge's desk, he can disallow it. That was the first thing. There was nothing there in his file to support his claim. Even if there had been something to support his claim, his biggest mistake is he didn't bring himself back to life. He maintained his position as a what and never really made it clear that he was a who. A man. Right. And that was his biggest mistake. Oh. Well, since Angela only gave me one question, I can tell you every mistake <laughs> he made, but Angela's kicking me off of here. So. Okay. Every <laughs> oh, it's great talking so Maybe the next time you're on, I'll tell you every mistake he made. <laughs> well, I well give us one, you want to give us one more, you can. <laughs> well, one of the major things he did was he made too many statements and didn't ask questions. Right. Okay, when I went through that process, I never made a statement because everything you say they use against you. Everything they say is a legal determination or a conclusion of law. And I made the judge stick his foot in his mouth so many times that they turned red, they turned yellow, they turned green, they turned all kinds of colors because they made the legal determination and I use it against them. Well, Mark, do you know who Mark Stevens is? 
Oh, yeah. I used Mark Stevens' thing in Long Beach, and I got in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. But one thing I saw recently, Mark Stevens was saying, Mark likes that you ask him questions. And he finally got it. A judge says, I have no obligation to answer your questions. Oh, now, as long as you are the dead legal fiction person <clears throat> there, the judge can actually say, I don't have to answer your questions because he really doesn't. You know how you handle that? You answer it for him because that's what I did huh? on the record. And I made him correct it. And they didn't correct it, so it became a fact. Well, Exactly what I said. What did you say? You know how they point their name because asked, I, I asked him what his name was, so him give me his name. They point their name at their nameplate. Yeah. And they won't say anything because if they say whoever says their name first, because I didn't give him my name, you lose. They take jurisdiction. That's in personam jurisdiction. Uh-huh. Well, he pointed his finger at his nameplate, and then the bailiff pointed her finger at the nameplate. This is out in, on Flower Street in Bellflower, California. And I'm going, what? cat got your tongue? What, you can't speak? Because I was so sarcastic because I was upset because they arrested me. But they really are not. Uh, they really, as long as you're this dead fiction, they don't have any obligation to answer anything oh, from you. I answered for him. Yeah. And all I did was I said, oh, so you're going to point to that, right? Okay, great. <clears throat> Thank you very much. Because of the court of records and audio recording. This yeah. is when they had the high speed before they came out with the regular MP3s. Right. And I just said, hey. Since you're not going to record it, then I accept your silence as your absent that what's on that thingy dingy that you're pointing at looks like a nameplate that your nameplate is, and his name was Leland H. Tipton. I said, so, I said, yeah, it's Leland H. Tipton. So, hey, if that's, you know what? So, Leland H. Tipton, that's your name there. So I accept your silence as your absent that you made a legal determination that that is your name. And by the way, if that's not your name, I will give you five seconds to correct it on the record. So I stuck my hand up with my palm facing my face and my back hand facing him, and I counted down with my pinky finger, my thumb, my ring finger, my index finger, and my middle finger was sticking up. Five, four, three, two, one. Time's up. For the record, let the record show. They can't say anything when you do that until you finish. Um, well, now you I, are talking about a level, again, far more sophisticated than just filling out a condition precedent. And a lot of people don't, they get so nervous I've watched so many videos where they get so nervous they just make all kind of mistakes. All mistakes. Yeah. I learned my mistakes in the county where I live. When I got to LA County, I figured it out. Yeah. I asked them the question, and that's the court where I got everything dismissed. Well, that's good. That's good. You need to come on, Dallas, and we do a, 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 you know, a a mock court where we go back and forth. (laughs) I would love to do that. It'll just be questions. That's all it'll be. Yeah. Well, that, that that's beautiful. That's that, that would be good information for people to know. Yeah. Okay. All right. All thank right. you very much. Thank you. And don't be a stranger. Okay. All right. Next up, also California. Go ahead, California. You've been unmuted. Hey, thanks, Angela. It's Donaldson here. Okay, Donaldson. Uh, I. The, uh, the, Do you, you know, have a question or a comment? Yeah, comment. Okay. Uh, the DMV has no authority to exercise uh, core judicial or legislative authority. That's pretty much why they, they have to let you sign the way they want to. There's no judicial officer there to, to, to say, yes, that's law, you know, that's, that's in harmony, you know, with the Constitution and all that stuff. Well, no, no, okay. I'm not saying it's in harmony with the Constitution. I didn't say that. Well, I know. I was just making my statement. I never said you said anything. Oh, okay, because the DMV, when I spoke with them, 
They are also, because they're commercial enterprise, they are also under the Uniform Commercial Code. So they really have to accept that without prejudice. Because um, they're great. UCC as well. Great. So I also have a quantum claim on my, uh, my state ID card. Um, and I recently used it to make a grammar claim with an insurance release of liability contract. Uh-huh. And I try to do this on a lot of my um, um, contracts today where I have to, where because I understand the unilateral contract character of the, um, the, the, the adhesion agreement with yes. the state. Yes. It's a unilateral one. So you're not, there's really, it's not bilateral. So, uh, it's you know it's not a contract with another person, right? It's a technically speaking, it's a contract. Wouldn't you agree uh, no, with it's, the it's, the it's, general purpose government that runs the entire state? But that's you, it, because there's no local community. There, then you, all you all the only thing that you have is the the general purpose government coming in and and you're signing up underneath of that. That's you basically signing up as underneath the GPG. Okay, but then like, check this out. When I make my claim 103, 1-3-0-8, like you were saying earlier, right? Um, when I do that, or if I do a quantum grammar autograph on there, now I'm, I'm taking the level of communication between me and uh, the, my, my constituents, right? To a higher level. They have to operate now at a higher intellectual level. That's all we're doing. I think it's a beautiful thing. You know, that's, um, so, so do you use quantum grammar? No. I, I'm, you don't? What I'm trying to do, and, and I think everybody should really get that about me, I am trying to help people on the bottom rung. A lot of these callers have been at this for years and years and years, and a lot of people have gone to jail. I'm trying to lay out a foundation that Joyce came up with the idea and people ran with the ball to get you on that bottom level where you can engage or not, where you're protecting yourself and you're, you've got what you need if you have to move forward and try to get out from under these horrific rules, regulations, and statutes. It gets a lot more sophisticated. Some people won't have the time, I'm afraid, to do much more than the bottom rung, and I would at least want them to start protecting themselves by restricting their signature and understanding a little bit about how this works because there's too many people were getting lost out here and too many people going to jail. Okay, uh, next up is Quad 52108. You've been unmuted. Do you have a question? Uh, basically, just some, some comments. Uh, I definitely like the uh, information that she's giving. I want to add it to some of the things that I've been doing. Like I said, it's just been a lot of little simple things, uh, uh, like like what she's saying. Um, I um, did the process a while back. I think the gentleman name he was like a colonel or something like that. He did like with moonshine or something like that. Uh, but he had the reservation of rights uh, doc- document. Sir David mm-hmm. Andrew. Is that who you mean? Uh, he was like a colonel or something. I, uh, I I've like never had a colonel. Yeah, you had him on one time before, but he like he like did his his, his uh, I think his website was like Copper Moonshine or something like that. 
He had him on like years ago though. But he I has a document. So. But I mean I know that I'm familiar with that uh, website. But the right. guy that runs that website I've never been on my call that I know of. <laughs> yeah, that I thought I heard him on there actually one time before. He was kinda of explaining the process of um uh, oh, I can't remember I exactly remember. what it was. Oh but, well. Um, anyway. But yeah, I, I actually uh, utilized that document. Like I say, it was a, a reservation or a right. So it was some kind of way. So you you send it out to the judges and everything. Once you get it filled out, and they push you on this list uh, um, to oh. where the, you know they don't detain you and everything of that nature. Yeah, do not detain, um, right? Right. And so I actually did that, and uh, and I actually got stopped, and and he asked my ID, and I actually gave him that particular form. I didn't give him my uh, my license. And he just kind of looked at it, read over it. He said, let me, I got stepped to the back. And he came back and he said, well, do you happen to have a, uh, a a license on you, a driver's license on you? I said, well, yeah, actually I do. I said, but I only utilize that when I'm uh, actually in commerce or for hire. I said, actually, I'm, I'm uh, in my private capacity at this moment uh, uh, traveling on the, on the highways. And he just said, I said, so, you know, that's why I use that, you know, for uh, for my ID. Because I actually had my picture on it, um, it with notarized and everything of that nature, and so he just said, "Well, let me uh, let me take a look at it again." He walked to his back and read right over again. He came back again. He said, "Uh, so you, so uh, he asked me if I wanted to give him my license." I said, "Well, no, I because I'm really not in that in that um, in my commercial capacity at the at the time." I said, "I, I said, only really, I said, I never ever really utilize it because I'm, I'm never in commerce uh, when I'm driving or." If I said when I'm driving, or I said, but at the time, at the time I'm actually traveling right now, and so he said, well, he said, uh, you know, he just he just kind of let me go. He said, well, he gave me my paper back. He said, well, you know, uh, have a nice day. So it actually does work. And uh, I think and also, it, I think it used to more than it is now. I was listening to a case Mark Stevens was in, and their claim was not about whether or not you're in commerce. They could care less. Right. The claim, and That's, this was in New Hampshire, was that. They own the roads, and because they believe they own the roads, mm-hmm. they believe they have the right to decide who uses them and under what yeah, conditions. Right. Conditions, right. And that's what they were inflicting, and they proved that we own these roads. You were on our road. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, he, the the guy had not done a condition preceding to, to demonstrate mm-hmm. that these rules didn't apply to him as a living mm-hmm. man. So he was arrested and he paid a fine and all that. Wow. Yeah, so I definitely want to say, I definitely want to get your your information as well. And also, I did the same thing with at the DMV. Like I said I had no issues when I went in and got my license and signed um, uh, without prejudice as well above my name. Good, good. Yeah, you know, no one. I signed it on the on the actual. You know, they have they they have you to sign the paper first, and then they have you to sign the little the right. little magnetic uh, thing. And uh, so I actually got a copy of the paper. And Good. Like, Good oh, idea. Yeah, and they said she. She looked at me. She said, "Well, you know, we normally don't give this out." I said, "Was well, there an issue for, for 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 me getting a copy?" I said, "I always just like to get a copy of anything I sign." Oh God, said, that's right. It. You're entitled to it. I love right. to hear that. That is wonderful. Yeah. And so she was like, "She said, well, I guess I don't see no problem with that." And so she gave me a copy <laughs> of that, so I have that as well. Oh. And, uh, also, <laughs> and also, I also heard that it's good to when you're doing the. Um, the UCC one uh, dash uh, is it one dash three zero eight? Yeah, it's also good to to also add your state equivalent to that as well, so that way you protect it in the federal and state level as well. Well, I in my state right now, just in case your listeners mm-hmm. don't know this, 
Okay. We let my our licenses expire last year. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do. I, you know, I really didn't want to renew it, but we finally, I was told by my husband, either you renew it or I'm not going on vacation with you, okay? <laughs> so <laughs> we we went, he said, I'm not going to be way out west all of a sudden stranded because you didn't renew your license. All right. So when I went in, in Ohio today or last year, you could not even apply for a driver's license. Once your license had expired, mine has expired so long that mm-hmm. I had to, I had to apply all over again. Oh, yeah. Believe it wow. or not, get a learner's permit. <laughs> really? And start from scratch. Right. To do that, mm-hmm. I had to provide a birth certificate and a social security number, or no go. It was a no go. I would have gotten wow. nothing had I not done that. So they've already moved us into the federal ID, as far as I can mm-hmm. tell. Birth certificate and a social security card, not a copy, but the How real. How long is too long to go without renewing? It was too long. It was more than a year. And they mine's more than a year. That <laughs> yeah, was more than a year. And it was. Oh, well. it's, it's an interesting story because I was, you know, kind of resisting because I don't like this whole system. And my husband got really mad at me, saying, now, look, we're right going on vacation. We've got to get your license renewed, and you've done all this. And he was nagging me, and I was in deep doo-doo. And so he had forgotten that we moved to Ohio in the same year. So he goes in to renew his, and they looked at him, and they said, well, yours has been expired for a year. You're going to have to get a learner's permit. (laughs) That's ridiculous. So he... He and I, in one day, had to go in, get a learner's permit, take the test, go in the car and show that we could drive. Then we came back, and we had signed off on that, and then we had to go over the other window and get our driver's license. It took a whole day. Wow. Oh, God. And and one one other thing also um, in regards to, um, I got a... um, to um, let in the mail to be, you know, called for jury duty. Yeah. And so, you know, they, they send you the document to fill back out and they have on there, you know, all your U.S. citizens and so forth and so forth. So I actually scratched that out and put American citizen. And so I sent it back in and I got a call uh, from the uh, clerk of court and they was asking questions. They were like, well, we noticed you, you know, you put down uh, American citizens and, and you scratched out the U.S. citizen. And I said, yeah. I said, you know, I, I claim to be um American citizen versus a US citizen. He was like, Well, you know, it's all about the same so I said, Well if it's the same then well let's just leave it as uh, American citizen then. She was like yeah. she kept trying to go back and forth trying to get me to change it and I said, Well, you know, I'm recording this call. I just want you to know that, you know, I don't consent to any changes to uh, to the document that I sent in. I'm not sure if you're gonna try to make any changes uh without me being there and things of that nature. I said, But this call is being recorded. And I do not consent to any changes that I've made uh, to the document. You know, I say I classify myself as an American citizen versus a U.S. citizen. And um, and so from that point forward, I haven't heard anything for, uh, back from them. They didn't call me in. I actually went and canceled my um, voter registration shortly after that as well. So I, I figured maybe that's why I never got a call to actually uh, uh, you know, be on the jury, uh, be on the jury duty at that point. So. Yeah. Now Peter tells me that. They cannot, and I'm going to repeat what Peter says, and I have found this to be true, and it sounds like you have as well. They cannot determine your political (laughs) character. 
You that's have right. to volunteer. Volunteer. That's right. Okay. Everybody needs to hear that. You mm-hmm. have to volunteer. And the way we do that is we sign things and we're not thinking about what we're signing. Mm-hmm. Which come back to haunt us, right? Oh, yeah. 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 All right. But I definitely appreciate your, your call tonight. Like I said, I'm definitely going to be looking into your uh, your, doc, your information as well and kind of add that to, like I said, to some of the things that I'm doing. I like to, like you said, I like to keep the simple process and Yes. Try to wiggle my way out of it as, as quietly as I can. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm glad you like it. I have to tell you, some guy sent me an email and he wanted to do a condition. He he wrote a whole bunch of stuff in it, <coughs> like he's a man on the land in Texas or something and all this. And I wrote back and and I for all those who might want to do this, I said we're not changing it. We're not making it. It's only 264 words. We're yeah. keeping it so simple that nobody's going to bring you into any kind of arena and, and trip you up, okay? We've got the two basic things. That's all we need. And I said, if you want to do something else, you can do it in a different location and file it in the newspaper. I just advise you to keep it simple because it's easy to defend if it's simple. All you need is the basic, basic. components, and you can easily defend, in my opinion. Right. If it's working the way it is, why why change it? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go in and argue for that I'm a state citizen or a state national, yeah. and, and then have them ask me, well, which state or where's the state, and what about the state capital, and have I been to the state capital, and you know, because you and I know the states are all now corporations. Yeah. So who wants to get into that argument? Really? Hmm. Okay, we need to move on. Quad, was that good for you? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, next up, Central Florida. You've been unmuted. Did you have a question? Hey, I'll, I'll be quick, and thank you, and I listen to you on uh, Republic also. Um, I wanted to ask, have you uh, taken this to a uh, county commission or your state rep or state senator and uh, seen their thoughts on getting rid of the, uh, the presumption, uh, requiring them for full disclosure? No, because they work for the corporation. I don't. I wouldn't take it to them. I'm not part of their corporation. Yeah, but it seems uh, the one thing would be good is if uh, the state law required the state to offer full disclosure. Um, they can, but see, they're in their corporation. They can make the rules, and they do. We can't get them to. Re- I mean, we can't get them in my state. Okay. They had the option to give full, require full disclosure for vaccines. This took place like in year 2000, 2001, and we had a, a pharmacist who was down in the in this uh, state house, trying to um, lobby against them requiring the chickenpox vaccines for all kids to go to school. Okay, that that they were also arguing whether or not the state should require full disclosure on this vaccine issue because right now they don't. And honestly, that was so tense. And this cat, Christine Severin is her name. She was a retired pharmacist and brilliant woman. And she said that behind the scenes, the big pharma, they manipulated the legislators to such a point, even though the majority of them would have voted yes on full disclosure, for vaccines, they buried the, the the legislation so 
it was never passed, and it still isn't passed to this day. Neither the school nor the doctors nor the public health are required full disclosure on vaccines, and they do not provide full disclosure because they're not required to. So I don't know that they would ever say full disclosure. They they function behind the scenes. Right. Well, what I'm getting to is let's let's go with the birth certificate. If they would have a law where they had to give you a notice with the certificate that by signing this certificate you are creating a corporation under whatever whatever all it is. Right. And you know that way people would know by signing this driver's license you are giving up the right to do such and such and such in the event you are actually trafficking in commerce. Otherwise, the license doesn't apply if you're not trafficking in commerce. You know, well, it's I, just full disclosure so we know what we're what is going on. But that's what you know. That seems to me how to fix this. They have not given full disclosure on this whole scam since 1933. The people still don't know they're enemies of the state. The people still don't know that we're in a national emergency. The people don't know that it's all about commerce. The people don't know that the Bill of Rights is no longer in effect. I doubt it. I think it's a wonderful idea, but I can't imagine that the legislators are smart enough or brave enough to do something so uh, straightforward, so honest, they well, uh, they function I'm, I'm, under knowledge of the ignorance of the law is no excuse. That's how they're functioning. Right. Well, I, I'm thinking if you could get it done at a city council where the city would pass an ordinance where full disclosure is required for all, you know, get it to the little dummies that are on the bottom, yeah. and then you know, let the state come down and kill them for, well, for doing it. I, I, you know, there are different city councils and different across the country. Some are more honorable than others. I happen to live in a municipality where they have secret meetings, emergency meetings, and they pass all kinds of garbage and they don't tell the public. And they've been doing that for 20 years. So I love the idea. I just, where I live, I don't see them doing that. Well, that must be every uh, municipality in Franklin County. I was born in Columbus myself and grew up okay. in the city. So, well, that's what my city's doing. They're they're basically scum. <laughs> well, they're all the same. Well, be well, and thank you so much for uh, for all your efforts and all your sharing. Thank oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Angela. Okay, thank you. All right, next up is Aqua. Oh, Akila. Hi, Akila. You've been unmuted. Hi. Hi, Hi. how are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'll be quick good. about it because I realize others in line. Hi to Al, you guess, as well. Um, I've done some things myself. I'm not going to get into the whole entire story, but take too much time. But I was stopped twice, by the, well, total of five times. But this last two, I'll say about that. Um, the first point, I don't have a safety inspector sticker on my car, nor do I have registered plate. Um, and that's how I travel. I go back and forth. And I got stopped, and he, the officer said, the reason he stopped me, basically because of the, I didn't have a sticker. I'm like, and so I said, so when he came to the car, I just said, hello, you know, and he said, um, you didn't have a sticker. And I said, well, I'm a woman, you're a man, and 
I noticed you had your lights on. I hope there's no emergency. He said, and he kind of was quiet. And then he said, you have a license? I said, no, nah, I don't really carry that, you know, with me. And the next point, he asked, so he also asked me, because um, he kept asking about this license, and I was like, no, I said, no. And then I said, no, is there any more required how to do so? He said, well, you don't even have a sticker. You don't have a council sticker. You don't have a safety inspection sticker. I said, nope. No, is there any law to require? I must. And he said, oh, right. he asked my name. I I told him my name. He wrote it down, the birth date, and he left. And he went to, I guess, check whatever he's doing. And so when he came back, he was like, um, and I guess he read the plate. So he came back and said, I can't find you in no record of you. I said, oh, I said, yep, I know. And I said, I'm not going to disclose certain information to you. And I said, there's no law to say I must. And then, you know, I told him a couple other police had stopped me. I showed him the card. And I said, well, and then he said, um, I want, he said, can I check your registration? I'm like, I said, well, you're going to pay me? I got to pay you? I said, oh, sure, you got to pay me. But I was just playing. I'm like, okay. And so he said, so I had uh, some papers blocking it in the window. I didn't realize, so I moved in. He wrote it down. I said, anyway, watch my car. I was actually parked by Dunkin' Donuts. A bunch of restaurants was there. And I said, watch my car because I left my phone and a couple of stuff in there. My windows was down. And I went and, went and bought an iced coffee, came back. He came back. And he said, okay. And, like, bye, have a nice day. I guess he couldn't find anything. And I said, okay. I said, well, all those people watch me now. I'm like, I didn't want them to think I'm a hostile, it's a bad situation. So I said, right, you'll give me a hug. He said, well, no, I don't hug. And I thought about it. He's a man. I'm a woman. He said, well, I'll shake your hand. I said, okay. So he shook my hand. And I got stopped one more time by a totally different county. That's like where I worked in different places. And he was very hostile. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and... He stopped me and said, um, uh, he said, you have a license? He came like, yep. I said, so when he came at the car, I said, hello. He said, you have a license? He was like, so hostile. And I said, no, nah, I don't carry that with me. And he said, I said, there's no law to say I must. And he was like, but? He said, like, yeah, you don't have a sticker. You don't have things. I'm like, no. Nope. I said, I said, I, I have a name. I said, I have, do you have anything with your name? Well, sure, I have my name. And so, uh, you know, social security name, I have that. And I know most of the time I just tell him it. Anyways, he went and checked. He come back and he said, you know, I can't, I can't allow you to drive because I can't find you have a license. And I remained calm. I said, oh, yeah? He said, yeah, I checked the DMV. I said, oh. I said, where you check at? He said, I'll check in Virginia. I said, oh. I said, okay. I said, well, you might wish to check West Virginia. So he didn't kind of argue with me. So he did. He left. He came back. And he said, uh, start writing down the um, ID number. And I knew what he was doing. And I actually have that on the videotape because afterwards, after it was over, he didn't give me any ticket. I'm like, you know what? 
my friend's not going to believe I got stopped again. He was like, you what? He kept on asking. I said, you mind if I videotape this part? He said, oh, sure. And so I have that, um, that I could play it right quick. It's just real quick. It's very short. Anyway, no, you I know what? We're out of time. Okay, Kill no us. problem. So we anyways, have people. There's he's... two people still in line, so. Okay, that's fine. Anyways, he stopped me. Each time I five times, no ticket, because they can't do that. It's, and I, I do, I'll share later what I'm doing exactly. But anyway, there's a lot to it than, you know, than I'm telling you. But anyway, I'm good. All right. Take care. Okay. All right. Are you going to have a call anytime soon? Oh, Saturday. You... Saturday. 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 And what's the call ID number? One four zero one three six. And it's on Saturday, um, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Eastern Daylight Time, actually. <laughs> All right, yeah. good. Thank you. Angela, Thank you. It's, it's, that way you can explain the whole thing. But go ahead, Al. It's midnight here, so could this be the last one? I'm fading. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. Bob, uh, Bob T. in Colorado. Well, we've got... Well, all right. Go ahead, Bob T. We've got one more from California. But that depends on who it is in California. <laughs> Go ahead, Bob T. Did you want to say something? Did you fall asleep? <laughs> Hold up. I I was I was had a hear, earphones on, my phone was in the pocket and uh, what was I and you're um, wasted. Yeah, I'm unmuted. <laughs> and you're and wasted. wasted. <laughs> All right. Six back to the joint. Oh my gosh. What are we talking about? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> but I love you all. And, love and you um, <laughs> Go have another beer. I'm still here, and I'm rooting for everybody, and I hope the Broncos win. And Thank you, dear. Have a good win. night. I hope we all win. <laughs> okay, California, go ahead. California, you've been unmuted. Wow. I guess I just had my hand up, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, well... I just wanted to Make say I put a bunch of links in there, you guys, if you want to learn about the uh, some economics regarding, you know, local government and how they talk yeah. about appointment of officials and things like that, you know. And I wanted to make one quick point here, and that is, you know, it's 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 one thing to say you're a free inhabitant, okay, but that's kind of ambiguous, right? Because you could be a free inhabitant okay, and at the same time a member of your organized political society. You're still free and you're still an inhabitant. Right? Thank you. So let's... Al wants to go to bed. We've kept her up long enough. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much <laughs> for this opportunity. Thank you. And... Thank you for coming on. I hope you come on again oh, and give us an update. Yeah, I'd Not love to. Yeah. People can go and, and read the notice for themselves, and I think there's a lot of information there. Maybe I'll answer some of their questions. And, and your I'm website keep... again is antiCorruptionsociety.com. Uh huh. And, and you're also on RBN Radio. When is that? Saturday nights. The name of the program is In Defense of Humanity, Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Okay, very good. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was fun. Thank you so much, Angela. And you do a great job. 
Oh, thank you. It's always fun, isn't it? Yeah, and we're going well, to keep Joyce's memory alive a little bit, huh? Yeah, that's a good thing, I think. I, all her documents are available. Well, I have a lot of them posted on the website under her name, Joyce oh, Rosenwald. And uh, I will set up a link to your stuff uh, in the next day or so. It should be up. And also this call is recorded, so if anybody you know wants to hear it, it Thank will be available. Okay, thanks. Good night. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good night and have a great weekend. Okay, Mike. Hey, Money Mike. Hello, hello. Did you want to make an announcement or something? Well, no, I'll have a, um, Yeah, I, w- I was going to ask a question, but that's okay. Uh, uh, let her go. It's okay. Uh, uh, I'll have my call in about 10 minutes. Okay, I'm sorry. I, she was no, tired. you're okay, sweetheart. You're, you? you're good. I got to get ready for the storm tomorrow anyway. Uh, we got a category one. We got the Harvey coming in over here on uh, on the Gulf. Oh, where are you, Texas? Yeah, I'm over in San Antonio, and it's going to actually oh. some of that rain. We're going to get rained on big bad time. Uh, but in well, the meantime, yeah. I'm, Preparation. I'm kicking back. Yeah, I'm kicking back though. <laughs> yeah. I'm, right. I'm I'm only I'm only I'm only uh, getting started. Uh, Bob Titus is ahead of me. Yeah, that's right on you. And then, uh, yeah, uh, one okay, four so two. Okay, so you're gonna have your call in what? A few minutes? Ten minutes? Yeah, what? about yeah, about ten minutes. Yeah, one four two. Okay. Uh, three uh three zero six. Say it again. Call ID. One four. Yeah, one four two. Three zero six. One four two three zero six. The Money Mike Society. <laughs> the Money Mike Society. Okay, good. All right, anybody interested? After we close out, go check out Money Mike's call. Wish I could come on there and listen and participate. But anyway, I gotta go take care of the kids. I I love you guys. Have a great weekend. Yeah. It's been fun as always. And we're lined up, man. We're booked until September. Hopefully, Doc. I sent you an email because you sent me. I got all your emails. You sent me a whole bunch of stuff. I'll post it. But you never answered the question. Will you come on our call September fifth? Oh no, I'm sorry, not September fifth. October fifth. Because we're booked solid now through September. So October 5th. Okay. I hope you come on and and confirm. All right, everybody. Have fun. And take care of each other. Good night.